For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning, all, all the papers this morning talk about the sun. Sun back is on. I'm not quite sure what the headline means, but they're talking about a hot, dry summer. Um, in fact, they're saying that <laughs> the rest of June and July and August will be... Um, unseasonally hotter and drier and warmer, I suppose, uh, heading into a hot, dry summer with an official heat wave on the way as well, according to the um, star this morning that's quoting Met Aaron. Costa Living is the headliner for The Mirror. I love those kind of headlines. It beats the doom and gloom that you often see in newspapers, doesn't it? They're talking about parts of the country. Smack, smack dam in the middle of the Midlands, I suppose. 27 degrees today. And they got lots of photographs of, gra- of crammed Irish beaches. Not Costa del Sol beaches, Irish beaches. Ireland hots up under showers is the story in the sun today. The heat wave is set to continue this week with the mercury hitting 27 degrees. But as I was saying in the weather reports there a few minutes ago, that also can bring thunder and lightning storms. Uh, But I suppose there's an upside to showers as well with regards to Mother Nature. But what do we love about summer? The top 10 moments of the season make the mirror today. And I wonder if yours are included in this. Uh, And if not, please... um, Uh, Give me yours if it's not in the list. Longer days and sunny evenings. Not having to turn the heating on. It's probably my one. Turning off all of the heating systems. Uh, Not having to turn the heating on. Not having to wear a coat. Being able to use your garden. Another one that I love, the smell of freshly cut grass. Uh, it, uh, it's not dark in the morning, so obviously it's like longer days. Uh, eating outside, now that could be in your own garden or al fresco at your favourite restaurant or a picnic at the beach or maybe one of the most beautiful things in the wide earthly world, sitting at one of the tables, say for instance in your favourite park or wildlife or maybe in Gugon Barra, which I absolutely love with sandwiches and a flask of tea, things like that. Um, Not having to layer up with clothes. That's a bit like not having to wear a coat, I suppose. Seeing wildflowers and being able to get loads of washing done. (laughs) I mean, you have to be practical about this. Turn off the tumble dryer and out to go and use the line. Um, You know the way it is in Ireland, like you have to go out and get rid of all of the rusty pegs. Fresh new pegs. Anyway, they're the top 10 moments of the season. If yours isn't on it, please text 0868104106. But in serious news, and this makes uh, also the examiner and the echo, the man who carried out a shocking, brutal and cowardly sexual assault on an unsuspecting woman who was walking her dog in a Cork Park has been jailed for six years. I'll come back to this story in a few moments' time because it also makes the Irish Times today. And I'll talk to Barry Roach from uh, the Irish Times. A man called Vadim Vesti, a 28-year-old from Fromoy, a dual Moldovan-Romanian uh, national. Uh, the paper says this morning he did plead guilty to the Central Criminal Court. Um, and this was an assault, an aggravated sexual assault of a woman in her 50s. It was also told in court that Veste travelled to Ireland just 18 days after being released from prison where he'd served a sentence for the rape of a minor. And that story makes the front of this morning's Echo Examiner and indeed copy in the Irish Times too. A very sad, tragic death of a, of a Cork man. Uh, the story's picked up in the mail this morning. Uh, this is um, uh, very, very sad to hear of Colin McCarthy, a 45-year-old native of Douglas, um, and uh, he fell from an apartment in Thailand, apparently. He was a language teacher there, and sadly he died instantly on the 9th of June after falling from the 23rd floor of an apartment building in Bangkok. Now, police are investigating the fall, but many tributes have been paid to a lovely, lovely man. He was described as a big, 
hearted teacher and they carry photographs of him today. Another sad death of course, this was awful even talking about it on the air when there was the fire at Stryker. Uh, we knew that the injuries were, were very serious. Two men suffered burns while working on the roof uh, after the explosion and sadly uh, John Murphy passed away and I told you that uh, that sad news at the back end of last week in the papers this morning. The Echo says the family of the father of three who died in hospital last week nearly two months after he suffered burns injuries in the industrial accident at uh, Stryker said he would be sadly missed and lovingly remembered. Uh, it's very, very, very sad. Uh, John Murphy, a native of Watergrass Hill, a devoted father to Kayla, Jaden and Dylan and a beloved son to Sean and Eileen and the loving husband of Daniela. So his photograph, big beaming smile on him, makes this morning's papers also. The bus accident yesterday with no passengers on board at the Dublin Hill Railway Bridge makes the newspapers because now apparently it's not the first time nor the last. You would never, ever, ever get a double-decker bus uh, under that bridge. I've no idea what kind of experience the driver had. He must be fairly shook about the whole event in fairness to him. But there's cause now for, you know, Ken O'Flynn yesterday was saying that the bridge needs to be raised. That would be a huge undertaking, but certainly it's got serious signage and lighting issues. Somebody said that there should be a pre-barrier, a barrier before it. But if you can't clear this barrier, then you won't clear the bridge kind of a thing. I think I think lots of flashing signs and lights and people telling people, check your height, check your height, check your height might be a start. But um, it's a big story making the both Cork newspapers today. Also, I see that we don't have any cleaning machines in, in operation at the moment here on Leaside. We have two street sweeping vehicles. They do fabulous work. I often see one of them around the Douglas area regularly and it's just doing super work. Well, we've got two of those, right? And we've one street scrubbing machine um, and a washing vehicle. Um, and none of them are actually in action at the moment because they need parts. And there's a delay in getting the parts because of Brexit. But it's just not acceptable, according to the Cork Business Association. And as he given Kevin Hurley, who's also a retailer with many centrist shops, he says, surely we can get someone to collect the parts and bring them over here faster. In fact, he said that he'll go over and get the parts himself. I'll go over myself and collect the spare part if it means we can get the machines back on the road faster. I'll fly over, collect what's ever needed. Um, So if he doesn't do it, maybe somebody from City Council could go over and do it. But talking of councils, uh, Sean O'Reardon in the examiner this morning has a Cork County Council proposal. These are, this is plans to build 1,300 new homes on a big site in Cove. Now, this would be an incredible mini town, if you like, because it would have uh, a new train stop on it as well and lots of road development and all of the different infrastructure down in the Cove area. It'd be interesting if there are any objections to it, but one thing we certainly need, and probably more of it in commuter towns, to be honest, is more homes. So the plan is for Cork County Council to build 1,300 homes on the Cove site. Now, the maths exam uh, continues to dominate many of the newspapers. Um, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the feeling that the Department of Education are going to take into consideration the upset of students and their parents, with certainly with regards to maths paper one, because the chief examiner is apparently listening to complaints. So the papers of that today, disgraceful maths exam doesn't add up with the pupils. Uh, and I know also because I've been sent copies of some of the emails of parents who are directly emailing the minister and emailing the Department of Education. There's another interesting story regarding schools. And this is schools that are creating smartphone-free zones. You know the pouches, the yonder pouches uh, that were used for the Tommy Tiernan gig? More and more secondary schools now are taking up this, some are calling it a drastic action 
to ensure phone-free learning environments. So 50 secondary schools are expected to be locking up students' devices in the pouches when they return after the summer break. Every morning, the students will be asked to put their device in their personal yonder pouch. It locks it automatically. They keep the pouch and everything, the phones inside in it, but the caretaker opens it at the end of the day. And of course, um, what we did here at the Tommy Tiernan gig was that some people who had the yonder pouches didn't hang around afterwards because of the queue. They took the yonder pouches home and they use the pliers. Um, but anyway, the idea here is to keep them away from the kids during school hours. And they're saying, we believe this initiative will improve their mental health and well-being if it only gives them a break from the constant messaging and influencing of social media for about six or seven hours a day. Papers also this morning talk of, uh, you know, all there's a lot of scams out there and there's a lot of fake this and fake that. And I saw some stories actually um, of, of interest in that regard. But one of them that jumped out is the HSE letter that's been given out to parents warning them that you must always ask for identification from anyone calling to your home. I mentioned that because uh, the story up the country spoke in the loud me area of a family who had a guy called to their home claiming to be collecting their disabled child for a home support division uh, meeting. Or, you know, apparently this is, this is the, the, the reason he, he called. Um, he arrived at the home of the parents uh, because they used those services, the home support provision, he was collecting the child to take the child to, uh, I guess, um, uh, maybe, I don't know, could it, be, it could have been rehab, it could have been some kind of maybe swimming or, or something like that. And he said he was from the HSE um, and was for an out-of-home home support provision taking the child away. Um, he knew the child's full name. He was wearing a mask and a hat and he refused to give any ID. What a clown. I mean, no, no parent really would take that seriously, but, but you just would never know. It was a bogus house call. Um, he didn't provide any identification and the mum um, asked him for ID and he just legged it. That's a story that makes the tabloids today. There are other stories relating to all sorts of different cons in the papers today. One of them has to do with uh, people of an older age, 65-year-old pluses, being conned out of life savings by investment fraudsters. This is a real worry because um, when you're getting towards that age, people are wondering, what am I going to do with my savings? How am I going to protect it? How am I going to make some money of it to get me through the rest of my life? All too often, they come across a bogus investment fraudster uh, who comes up with all sorts of super deals only to do a legger. There was a fellow doing a kind of a legger up the M50. That's your man on the uh, on the scooter, the electric scooter. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, the video footage of the e-scooter has gone viral. He's weaving in and out of traffic. If you thought he was in the hard shoulder, well, way before he was in the hard shoulder, he was in the middle lane all on his own, just literally scooting up the middle lane of the M50. Insane. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't make it any better that this character actually had a, uh, had a helmet on him. He's still in the middle lane of the M50. And apparently one of the problems, and the AA are saying this, that we're going to see an awful lot of e-scooter rental companies soon. So this will not be an isolated incident. There could be a potential tsunami of incidents relating to e-scooters, particularly on open roads. It could be like, say, for instance, uh, maybe in the middle road, of the South Ring, for instance. Uh, but no vehicle can be anywhere near a road like that, certainly not the M50, unless they can make speeds of at least 50 kilometres. And that is not a speed, to the best of my knowledge, that an e-scooter can actually get up to. But there's no legislation yet. It's still all sort... It's very hazy, the whole idea of e-scooters and registration or paying some sort of... I don't know. I guess you wouldn't pay road tax because that's on emissions, but insurance or something, perhaps. And then there's an interesting one where... Some character uh, by the name of Powell Orlowski, uh, living down in Don Manway, Don Manway, he goes into Kiri's in Toker 
uh, and he induces Kiris of Toker uh, to give him a 172 registered BMW by deception and he only then goes and drives it off back to Poland. Uh, and he leaves Kiris behind with the 23 grand debt. Now, he's before the courts at the moment. Um, it's interesting to see what will happen there. Sentencing's been adjourned until November for psychological reports. But I often wonder about that. You know, when people do um, road test a new car or a second-hand car in a garage, I, say, I don't think this is the first time that a salesman or a salesperson has given somebody the keys and allowed them to take it for a spin and they never came back. In fact, I believe I asked him, a salesman about this some time back and I think his answer to me was, we sit in the car with them now. We sit in the car with them. You just don't go off. Like, if you took it away on your own and you crashed it, I mean, who's insured on it? Anyway, maybe that's for another day. There's a load of financial story making the papers today. Leah Varadkar is turning into a little bit of a hero these days. He wants more money for the punters and he wants the bu- next budget to give at least an extra €1,000 net uh, tax-free in people's wages. He also wants it to be a giveaway budget. Now, Michael McGrath is keeping his hands very close on the tiller and keeping the money close to his chest. And he's saying, you know, we have to be prudent. But that's what people in finance do. But certainly, Leo Varadkar wants a giveaway budget. He wants the threshold of where you go up into the higher tax band increased by 10 grand, for instance. It'd be wonderful things if these things happen. But interestingly, um, for the first time in 10 years now, um, you, if you bank with AIB, will get 2% interest on your savings. Now, what will happen is Bank of Ireland will have to follow this and the permanent TSB as well. So the headline in the Independent this morning says savers to get 2% interest for the first time in a decade. Uh, I know it's insane to be talking about 2% when you can remember back to the 1980s when mortgages and interest rates were like 16 and 17%. But savings interest were also 16 or 17%. So anybody with a few bob back then was making serious moolah in interest. And the papers also say the countries are coming after us with regards to our proposed labelling on booze, you know, health warnings on alcoholic products. Apparently, we're going to be challenged in international courts about this. And the USA and Cuba and Mexico and Argentina and Italy are none too happy about it. And they're warning that they're going to do something about it as to what they're going to do I have no idea also you know we talk about people going on holidays or board Falcher trying to encourage people to visit different parts of our beautiful country they are using and this is a story that made the news last year also they're using influencers now to promote tourism in Ireland and I think they actually you know pay the influencers big money but they also put them up in hotels and they send them to different parts of the country and they film it and they put it up on their uh, Instagrams or TikToks, whatever the case may be. There's hard work in this. I mean, it's not easy to do good videos. But at the same time, getting 15 grand per gig to promote somewhere in Ireland for Board Falcher is pretty handy money. And they spend big money on it. Papers also this morning talk about Glanmire, and this is the final word in it. Apparently, the people of Glanmire, I'd love to have your thoughts on this, feel that they have enough takeaway. They already have three pizza takeaways, and they don't want a fourth. And an appeal now has been lodged in relation to a Domino's pizza fast food restaurant that is um, planned to open down in Glanmire. Uh, local residents say that there's an oversaturation of fast food style outlets already in Glanmire. I hear somebody saying um, on News Talk this morning that they'd much prefer a sit-down restaurant for a change rather than all of the fast food joints. They have three, a fourth would be too much, and that doesn't take into consideration Indians, Chinese, um, 
fast food um, with regards to maybe chippers and things like that that Glanmire has plenty thank you very much if you're from Glanmire get in touch text 0868104106 do you want another pizza shop or have you got enough get it off your chest text the Neil Brinderville show now 0868104106 Red FM and to the phone lines we go Barry Road Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times joins me by phone Barry good morning this is the story of Vadim Veste the 28 year old from Formoy um, who earlier at, I believe, the Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork had um, pleaded uh, guilty but was sentenced yesterday for that uh, vicious attack on a woman who was walking her dog, yeah? Absolutely, Neil, yeah. As you say, he appeared, a guy called Vadim Vestes, he's a Moldovan, uh, but he has Moldovan, dual, Mondo, Mal, dual Mondo, Moldovan and Romanian citizenship. And uh, he came to Formoy. Uh, in 2020, he was working as a, um, a meat uh, factory, a meat plant worker. But um, back in November 2022, there was this really bad attack uh, on a woman walking in the park in, in Fermoy, in St. Collins Park, in the town, which for listeners is on the Cork side of Fermoy. If you're heading out from Fermoy on the Cork Road, it's in on your left there, uh, with the St. Collins pitches in around that general area. Um, and we heard back in March at the Central Criminal, Court sitting, Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork, the woman told what had happened to her and she said she feared she was going to die and her daughter would have to identify her body. Uh, she recalled her, the man attacked and sexually assaulted her while she was out walking the dog, as I say, in the park. Uh, he came up behind her, this, 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 put his hand around her neck and mouth and pulled her to the ground and climbed on top of her. Now, he pleaded guilty to aggravated sexual assault. Um, he knelt in her arms, pinned her to the ground and he forced the woody hat uh, into her mouth to That's stop right. her screaming right. as he proceeded to sexually assault her. Uh, she said, he'd me pinned to the ground and I begged and pleaded with him to stop, but he put his hand up my dress. I tried to kick him, but he shoved something to my mouth. I couldn't breathe. I was suffocating. I really thought I was going to die. I thought my little girl would have to come to the park to identify my body. With all my strength, I fought back and I got one hand free and I scratched him in the face and bit him on the thumb and I screamed for help. And thank God there were boys in the park who heard him. It turned out there were two Polish lads in the park uh, they were jogging, the time, I think, they, weren't they? They were jogging the race over, and he fled. Um, he put her, his fist in her mouth to try and stop her screaming and pinched her nose, and again she thought, as I said, she was going to die. She couldn't breathe, but she managed to fight him off, and he got up and walked away when he heard the, the Polish fellas coming. Mm. Thank God I survived to be here today, she said, to tell my story. He's a very, very dangerous man, and thanks to Dave, that's uh, the detective guard Dave, Barry uh, in from I and the other guardie for catching him he tried to suffocate me and I do believe he would have gone to kill someone if he had if they hadn't caught him how did they that. how did the, the investigating guardie track him down yeah it was a really prompt investigation first of all but also a very thorough one uh, guardie were called medical emergency services were also called the woman was taken to the sexual assault treatment unit in um, the South Infirmary Victoria uh, she was medically examined and samples were taken for the guard investigation. Uh, Detective Garda Dave Barry, as I say, told her guardie set up an incident room in Fumai and they began a major investigation where they harvested CCTV footage from the area as well, carrying, as well as carrying door-to-door inquiries and taking witness statements. And he said as a result of that very intensive guard investigation, they identified Vestes. As I say, he's a meat factory worker with an address at Clancy Street in Fumai. And he was arrested on the 9th of November. The incident happened on the 7th, so within two days they, they, they were on his case, as it were. I understand. I, yeah. I believed, I don't know if you mentioned this, but uh, did they get DNA from under the lady's fingernails? They did. She scratched him so they had DNA samples from under her fingernails which um, 
he made admissions and he accepted her ver- version of events when he was questioned, but the DNA was critical, I suppose, in terms of confirming it all. Uh, they'd taken sampling, scrapings from under the woman's nails. Yeah. They matched his DNA, and then also they found a hat in his, a cap rather than his, that's the woolly hat, and that had a DNA match for her DNA, so there was a double DNA confirmation, as it were, that he was the man. Um, we heard from, at the time, from Detective Gareth Barry that uh, he had come to Ireland in 20, December 2020, less than three weeks after he was released from serving his prison sentence in his native Moldova, and that was for the rape of a minor. Um, and he'd also convictions in Moldova for burglary and possession of drugs for his own personal use. Back in March, um, he changed solicitors and his barrister, Seamus Roach, said his current legal team had only received details of his previous convictions that day mm. and they wanted time uh, to obtain a psychological report. So Mr Justice Paul McDermott agreed and he said he was concerned given the they said a previous conviction and it was important the court would have as much information as possible about his motivation for such offending before sentencing. So he turned it to yesterday. It was supposed to take place in... Central Crime Court sitting in Cork, but actually it happened in Dublin. So I'm relying on my uh, colleague Sonia McLean's report from the Irish Times for the sentencing. But Mr Justice Paul McDermott said it was a shocking, brutal and cowardly sexual assault which was violent, degrading and humiliating and left the woman with nasty injuries. He said um, it was a terrifying experience for her and he said he believed the woman, he, he noted that the woman believed she was going to be raped and murdered and he commented on the woman's bravery in fighting back against Vestas, scratching his face and neck and biting and kicking him and the fact that she screamed and drew the attention of the young Polish lads who were jogging uh, who came to her assistance. He said he saw photographs of what, she described, of what he described as shocking injuries sustained by the woman and he added the impact of such an attack should never be underestimated. It had a terrible effect on her at the time and subsequently he said, adding that it generated fear not only that evening for her that evening but also fear that persists uh, it impacted her safety and her content in doing the most simple things like take your dog for a walk and it had seeped in he said into her sense of security uh, he recalled the um, CCD footage being gathered by the Guardian and so forth and the way they led to his identification yeah. uh, and the fact that he had a previous conviction was something he had to consider and it turned out that the previous conviction was the rape of a 14 year old in Moldova um, and he said the aggravating features of the case were the random and predatory nature of the attack, first of all, uh, and the fact she was attacked from behind when she was alone in the dark. He said a set, headline sentence of nine years before he took into account the mitigating factors in the case, uh, including the expression of remorse and the plea, of course. Uh, and he, But he said the report from the probation service raised a serious concern as he believed it showed quote, a lack of insight and acceptance of what he has done in relation to the sexual element of the offence. And uh, he said Vestas clearly needs to address his offending and he seems to have a particular attitude towards women, so he phrased it. He sentenced him to six years and six months in prison. He suspended the final six months for two years in strict conditions and then he also um, placed him under a six-year post-release supervision order for the protection of society and to prevent future offending. And he also made a condition of the suspension that he would not um, approach the victim or her family and that he had no supervised or unsupervised access, my apologies, okay. to the children. Okay. So that was how it finished up yesterday. Um, Bizarrely, he, he served a three-year prison sentence for the yeah, rape of a 14-year-old. It's just shockingly low prison sentence. Yeah, that, that really struck me. I thought 
I mean, it's a very, obviously, judicial system is different, but three years for a rape of a 14-year-old? No, we don't know the circumstances, but rape of a 14-year-old is rape of a 14-year-old. Yeah. I mean, three yeah. years seems extraordinarily yeah. light. It also shows also, um, it'll raise the question, and I know I will get texting people wondering, how come... Um, our migration immigration systems allows somebody who was found guilty and served time, you don't even have to comment on this incidentally, for rape of a minor in another country. How are they allowed into Ireland? You know? He has Romanian citizenship, so within the EU he can travel. Okay. That would be my yeah. guess. Simple as, as that. Yeah. Simple as that, yeah. 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 I mean, same as somebody who serves a sentence or an Irish guy who serves a sentence for whatever can go to... Well, you know, can go to the UK because of the uh, the joint... Um, without being on a watch list or anything. Without like being on a watch yeah. list, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. and it also I mean, shows... The re- anywhere within the EU, I presume. Within the EU. Yeah. That answers my question. No, that said, actually here, I mean, somebody's placed on a, a sex offenders register here and they have to notify Gardy of any change of address and I've come across cases recently enough where people haven't notified and have been prosecuted for that and have gone back to jail because they have yeah. notified Gardaí yeah. of changes of address when they're on a sex offenders register. Yeah. Well, it's amazing the but importance but whether of... other countries have that, that, um, that requirement or not, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Well, you just wonder whether it should be voluntarily identifying yourself on a list or whether it should automatically happen and that there would be yeah, some kind of, per, you know, some, some sort of software in place where it would just happen as you enter a country or something. But doesn't it also show the very, very serious importance of CCTV and DNA? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this nail, this one down very quickly. I mean, uh, the two things that's very distract me about it is one, the thoroughness of it, but secondly, the speed of it. I mean, seventh, on 7th of November, this guy was arrested and questioned by the 9th. I mean, that's serious, serious yeah. police work. Yeah. Uh, and that involves somebody going out to every prep house and commercial premises in Fermoy, I presume, in those two days and saying, have any CCTV and getting that? And then, obviously, the DNA was the um, confirmation of the fact that they had his DNA from the samples, the scrapings under her nails, and then her DNA from on the, the woolly hat. Woolly hat. I mean, that really, mm-hmm. you know, there was no, okay. Um, okay. There was no doubt about it. But no, good police work. But, you know, one that I think hopefully will assure people, because this was, remember, at the time was quite shocking, you know? Yes. Six in a yeah. uh, November yeah. evening. Okay, it's dark, but you still think you can go walk in your park? Without you know, a doubt. Yeah, without a yeah, doubt. You know. Six-year jail oh. term for him. But um, not too soon, not too long after that, in May 2020, there was a man in his 30s uh, who was subsequently jailed for six months uh, after he grabbed a teenager by her underwear in Fermoy, she was chatting with friends during her lunch break. Um, I don't know if you were across that story at the time. I do, but a slightly different context needs to be fair. I think um, it, there was a sexual element to it, and that he grabbed it by the underwear. But you know, it wasn't the same league as this one. No, I'm not. Um, I'm not just. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying yeah, it's yeah, not a yeah. kind of a, you know. This is another Fermoy that, that story was, within twelve that months. That was daylight from. That was daylight, wasn't it? A lunch hour sort of thing, from my recollection of it. It, it was. It was at lunchtime, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the the. the, yeah. the the young girl w- went back to school and um, locked herself into the toilet and yeah. was crying and then reported huge, what happened. Hugely upsetting again, you know. Yeah. Upsetting. yeah, but interestingly, the individual involved in that, Kamel Schmizjak, um, had a total of 26 previous convictions for drugs, burglary, assault and criminal damage. Um, so that was uh, it, it resulted in being sentenced to something like 15 months for that at the Cork Circuit Criminal Court. Uh, but listen, you are right. Uh, thank God that the woman uh, survived to tell the story um, and that she makes a complete and utter recovery from it and that she can block it out of her mind at some stage in her life. But at least the man responsible in the shape of Vadim Veste is gone to jail for six years. Barry, thank you for yeah, that. Then the six-year supervision afterwards hopefully will um, as well um, 
Totally. Thank you, as always. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. Text 0868104106 to the phone lines we go. Uh, Paddy, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. You want to pick up on the story of Vadim Veste of Fromoy? Yeah, I think it's sad, you know, what is happening to start with. It's like, you know, that, um, which I think, you have to say, it is a result of our open door immigration. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I, I see no reason why we can't have more control on immigration. I'm not saying, you know, stop or things on immigration. We have to help people that are fleeing oppression or war, whatever. You know, it's part. We have to. We can't deny anybody that. We've had it all in our own history. But, I mean, the way it is now, it is totally uncontrolled. And, and this isn't the first case either, you know. It's happening a lot. Yeah, and not, notwithstanding the fact and that Irish people also rape and murder and commit crime. Yes, yeah. yes. well, not all the angels here yeah. either. Okay. You, you, know, you know, but, um, but I, I think that it, there can be better control on entry point with this, you know. I mean, um, what do I say? It is that, that this is the result of... The policies that were that were. Doing yeah, but you Roma- Romania mean, joined the European Union in two thousand and seven, which yeah. means that somebody with with Romanian citizenship, which he had, can freely move between European countries. Yes, um, but you think, and in the, by the same token, then we could also um, we could also check. I would think it would be a great thing if there was some kind of an alert at the point of entry that somebody who had just left prison for raping a fourteen-year-old was coming into Ireland. Yeah. Yes, and, and in that way, I mean more, you know, more control of people coming into the country. But a, a lot of it is, well, you know, are, there are people coming in from the country without any vetting, without any identification even. That's I right. mean, there are people actually entering the country without using a passport. That's right. If I go on holiday in Spain, I can't get back into my own country without showing a passport. Mm, that's because I mean, you're going away for a fortnight's holiday as, as opposed to leaving a country under uh, an international protection order application. Um, yes, I, I understand that people can... And the question you know, needs to be asked, fleeing. some say, well, yeah. they're fleeing countries where they don't have yeah. documentation or it was taken off them by the police in their own country. I accept that that could happen, but I have uh, yes. been talking with people who work on um, on airplanes who say that all too often the passports and the ID gets them onto the plane, they tear it up and they try and flush it down the loo. Now, yeah, yeah, that's, that's suspect to me. Yeah. I think it's all suspect in the sense that, I mean, how did they get onto the airplane in the first place? They may have the documentation. They they would have it getting on the plane. Yes. But destroying it on board the plane. Yes, we can. So they they haven't left the country without a passport. The country that they're fleeing from without the passport. They do have a passport or means of identification. But even so, even so, if, you know, you do not have a passport, you have used some form of identification. I can't, know, I, mean, I can't disagree with you. I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it, that, that aspect of immigration is totally unacceptable because it, it's not fair or equitable on everybody else who comes here and goes through the proper channels and, you know, uh, has a genuine case to make. It's wrong. It's yeah. also wrong in the sense that you can't do that or get on an airplane or go anywhere without documentation. Um, it's just not allowed. So I, you're right. And, and people should be fed up of that aspect of it. But it's it, it's sad the way it's going. That's the only word I can use. All right. You know, we okay. have this escalation of violence, and it's it's it's, it's not. Yes, I know we're not all the angels here in Ireland either. But it, it seems to me 
you know, I may be wrong in saying this, but it seems to be on the increase with the increase in immigration. Okay, appreciate it, but at least, thank you for that, Paddy, at least we got a result and a man was jailed for the attack on that woman who should be able to walk her dog in a county cork park and he's been jailed for six years and very good guard investigation involved in that. To some extent, I think, you know, we, we do have our problems here and, and Formoy is an example of it, but if you, if, you look, if you look at Cork, say Cork City and suburbs, um, there, there are some great reasons to live here, you know, there really are some really positive reasons to live here in spite of all of the, you know, the doom and the gloom and the economic woes that people have. I mean, you could be in Dublin, right? You really and truly could be in Dublin City, which has absolutely gone to pot, particularly the uh, areas around, say, as an example, O'Connell Street and areas like that. There is so much um, going on there with regards to addiction, heroin use and abuse. Um, I'm hearing awful stories from people living and trying to go about their business in Dublin. Um, not just for the people of Dublin, but um, you know the Lewis now, for instance, and uh, that comes in from you know the the airport or from the train station, I should say. Um, that now is is being used, and tourists who are getting on it are being targeted on the Lewis. Um, I think Dubliners are smart enough to know uh, what's going on there, but uh, all too often, what's happening? You could have somebody who's absolutely desperate for money for a fix, or they could be just so desperate for money for other reasons besides an addiction that they're getting on to the Lewis and they're eyeing up tourists who have bags or straps with bags with straps over their shoulder. And just uh, as the door opens um, for people to get off, they're timing it so that when the door is about to close, they are snipping the belt, or sorry, the strap on the person's bag, whipping it off their shoulder and jumping out of the Lewis. Uh, And, you know, I've spoken to somebody recently who was walking around Dublin doing some work up there. Uh, in fact, met a friend up there who and the friend said to her, are you always living in Cork now? And he said, yeah, yeah. And he answered, you are just so lucky. And she was, he was backing up, but that friend had said to him because he said, walking around, it was like zombie land. It was just awful. And he felt very much under threat and very unsafe. Uh, anyway, enough of me. Back to the phone line. Seamus, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, how are you doing? Good. Um, just picking up on... Um, well, we can we can talk about the Vestes case now because he has been jailed. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I just completely agree with the, the previous caller. I think it's really sad what's happening to the country at the moment. I think the, the ones ultimately to blame for all of this are the likes of Roger Gorman, who tweeted out to the world at large in 25 languages for everyone to come here and seek asylum, um, which has resulted in uh, God knows how many unchecked illegal immigrants entering the country. And yeah, was that the one where you talked about a, an own door, you have your own door within four months or something? Was that that daft one? That's right, yeah. It was, um, it will house you within three to six months or something like that. I promise to house you within three to six months yeah, and give you yeah. whatever welfare benefit. benefit yeah, a need. bit of a brain freeze there, wasn't there? Yeah, unfortunately people elected that and that's what we have run in the country at the moment. You know, me and Martin, Leo Bracker, they're to blame too. It's their open their policy. It's not uh, my policy, probably not your policy and the, the other members of the electorate, but it's their policy and they don't seem to have the guts to adopt an approach similar to that of uh, the Italians. You know, the government throws this far-right labelling um, so willy-nilly, but I mean, when they throw that... That's, you know, label it. They're, they're really labeling the whole Italian nation for electing their own. But either we're in the EU or not. You're, you're talking about, um, you know, the case in Formoy endorsing protests around the country and why protesting is right. This guy came from a country that's part of the European Union. He ha- luckily had a Moldovan Romanian 
citizenship. So his Romanian citizenship, even as a rapist, allowed allowed him to come here. Yeah, but EU membership shouldn't just uh, give you an automatic right to, you know, come in unchecked if you have a criminal record of such a nature. You know, if an Irish person had a similar criminal uh, record, like you, you, you can bet they won't be allowed on that flight to the US or wherever else around the world. Oh, no, but within the EU, but that's completely different. Within the EU, we're all one big unhappy family. Well, the EU is a collapsing project. I mean, it should really revert back to the EEC, whereby, you know, you can travel to places like Italy, Sweden, wherever it may be. You know, you sign your 90-day waiver, similar to what you do when you go to the US with a promise that I'm just here at the holiday and not be, you know, um, a burden on the state for welfare payments or whatever it may be, or saying that you have secured a job, you can enter the country under a certain type of employment visa, and you're free to go and live. But, the, 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 you know, for people who are a little older than those in their, I suppose, their late teens or early 20s, they, they remember we started off with the EEC back in the 70s. Yeah, I know, uh, I know. Yeah, but I also know that yeah. Irish people who broke the law and sometimes pending a court appearance have legged it from Ireland, gone to London, gone to Spain, gone to America. So they themselves would be criminals fleeing Ireland, and they're Irish. They are, but like when, they, the country, when they enter that, whatever country they enter, I'm sure they have much better borders than we do in this country. And the argument really is about the, the borders in our own country, Ireland, and they're borderless, and it's going to cause more and more problems like this. It's really sad, really. It's a sad environment where this country's going. You know, it's not working. It's it's flawed. And ultimately, it's really dangerous for local people. So when that term far right is thrown out to localities like those people in County Clare and elsewhere, all over the country, you know, many of them in Dublin too, um, who are concerned locals worried about van loads of uh, up to three, four, five hundred men being dropped off on a bus overnight to live in a shelter or an empty building in their area. When statistical interna- international fact tells you that 10% of them are basically animals from abroad. Uh, you can't animals. be calling people you can't be calling people animals Seamus. Okay well I'll call them criminals and uh, painless crimes like rape of 14 year old children and whatever else you know if I wanted to call them an animal I can't like well, first, well can't no because you're gen- you know, well firstly you're generalising and you're also including people and you know full well that a lot of them are genuine and they are here for genuine reasons that may be the case, but the, the, we have a, a duty of care to our citizens in this country in terms of border controls, first and foremost. Our, you know, the, the criminality or the level of which is that abroad and that may filter into this country is only a problem when it comes to our country. Should we, should, we should be taking control of our borders. It's as okay. simple as that. And okay. if we don't, this is going to happen on a, you know, a more frequent basis. And it's really just really, really sad. Okay. Are, you know, you in Do- are you in really Dublin much? Are you in Dublin much? Quite a bit, yes. Do you have what I said about it there? Is that an is that an unfair portrayal? There is no, it's not. It's, it's, Dublin is, has a lot of problems, as we know. But uh, it's on a different scale entirely. It's on a different scale. So it's, when the court tries to be like Dublin, you know, <laughs> it Dublin has completely lost control. It's lost its soul completely. It's and it's it's. it's, it's it's only, going to, it's only going to change anyway with the change of the establishment. That's the, it's the simplest fact. It's destroyed at but some level. Dro- it's, it's drugs. It's, like, it's, it's drugs. It's heroin. It's, that. it's, it's addiction. More than that. It's more than that. It's criminality. It's all sorts. It's the so-called integration of what's going on at the moment is on a different scale up in Dublin. And uh, it's not going to work. That's it. 
You okay. Know, all the right. protests are there for a reason. You know, people are, you know, there's families all over the country out protesting over this, and they're out for a reason. It's, it's not because it's, uh, you know, uh, some sort of fashionable trend. It's, they're doing it for a reason, for concerns that are real, and they're going to come to the fore soon enough. So something is going to have to give in this country very, very soon. Okay. And the the establishment have really felt the ball. All right. People, okay. All right. Let me Thanks. get some more calls and texts. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Well, many people texting about border controls, particularly when it comes to somebody guilty of a very, very vicious, vicious crime. So more on that after 10. Text 0868 Just on a lighter note, if you don't mind, for the little time that I have, there is a cracking story uh, online this morning from Cork Bio. I just absolutely Love it. Uh, And it talks about the Cork Events Centre. Now, the Cork Events Centre, SOD, was turned in February 2016. This was a few weeks before the general election. Enda Kenny was there. Simon Coveney was there. uh, Sometime after that, actually, Leo Varadkar said that that SOD turning and that announcement was a mistake. Of course, at the time we were saying... This is nothing more than electioneering. Get this out there now ahead of the general election. But anyway, the Corpio article tells us that the Coliseum and the Eiffel Tower and five other world landmarks have taken less time to build than the Cork Event Centre. So the sod was turned in February 2016. That was seven years and four months ago. The Colosseum in Rome took seven years to build. So it was built faster than the Cork Event Centre. The Eiffel Tower in Paris was built in two years and two months. The Statue of Liberty was built in six years. The Burj Khalifi was built in five years. The Parthenon, the Acropolis area of Athens, eight years. So slightly, slightly longer. But it will, but still at all, we, like, it's still not longer than the Cork Event Centre because that hasn't even started yet. The Camp Nou in Barcelona, three years. And the RMS Titanic was built in 26 months. And here we are, still sitting, wondering. We're told now that it will be quarter three of this year, which is only um, some weeks away that it'll start. But all of those buildings, those iconic buildings around the world, were built faster than the Cork Event Centre. I love that one. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Lots to do after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Available now, a brand new podcast, an Irish woman's true story of a life in the fast lane. When I think back at it, it makes me sound like I was the most stupid person in the world. Dozens of connections, hundreds of millions of euro. The level, the depth that this Jamie went through to cover his life is insane. It is street jacket worthy, insane. Jamie used to always say to me, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. Officially, Ireland's number one podcast on Spotify. Yes, it's very funny, actually, because so many people have been listening to the podcast and thankfully enjoying it, which is absolutely great. I was doing a bit of shopping in Aldi yesterday. <laughs> this, there was this woman, she's a lovely woman, and she kind of screamed, ah! 
I just paused the podcast to come in here and I said, I hope you're enjoying it. She says, I am. Oh my God, I am. But is there going to be another one? And that's the question everybody's been asking me. I said to her, what episode are you on? And she said, I've just started episode six. I said, well, you've got episode six and episode seven to go through the, just, just yet. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, I was out on Saturday night then actually inside in town um, I just, lo- I just love the city when it's in great shape and everybody's enjoying themselves and the weather's great and loads of people are outdoors. It was in the Mutton Lane, it was in the Chateau and down to Rossini. It was a great night, but I kept bumping into people everywhere I was going and everyone was in great form and out socialising. And that was all people want to talk about was you couldn't make this up. And the big question is, is there going to be another one? <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer to that just yet, just yet, to be quite honest with you. And I'm not going to say anything about that because for those that haven't listened to, you couldn't make this up. I don't want to be spoiling it for anybody, but um, it's lovely to bump into people in person, particularly when they have lovely things to say. And Cork people are just wonderful. Anne is picking up on a point I made of how Dublin has completely lost it. She says, well, yesterday I went to town with my little six-month-old and we parked in the queue park. I was turning into the park just to park my car, only to find three men who I assume were homeless, hanging out in a car space. At the time, they seemed to be just chatting. They paid no attention to me or I to them. I got my baby from the car and headed off to shop. Uh, I was nothing short of horrified when I came back to my car to see that only one man remained and he was smoking some drug out of tinfoil. Heroin. It was so unnerving. He was talking to himself and in a world of his own. I don't know if he even knew where he was or even noticed me. Thankfully, a gentleman hopped out of a car and stood with me until I had packed the car and the baby was safely in the car. I told a member of staff and he said he had just done a walkthrough and he'd head back up again. It's very shocking to see this so out in the open. What can be done to help these people and also to ensure public safety? I have to give a shout out to the gentleman who stood with me. I hope you get to read this out, Suzanne. Yes. Unfortunately for many people, all too often, that could well be a typical experience of what they see. And, you know, a lot of the time, members of Vanguardia Shikona are called to an event like that. But so what can they do? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of pointless. What can the Gardaí do? You know what I mean? Um, it's just awfully, awfully tragic and sad. And I suppose, to be honest with you, you probably weren't in any danger for the misfortune who was um, you know, smoking um, heroin off tinfoil. You really probably weren't. He was just so out of it. He was doing no harm to nobody except himself. But it is all too evident these days. Then lots on the leaving certificate from yesterday. Can I just say, because we just checked, because a lot of chat on the air yesterday, that if you fail maths, do you, feel, do you fail the leaving cert? Apparently that's a common myth, that if you don't pass maths in your leaving cert, you won't pass the entire exam. It's completely untrue. If you don't do well in maths, the two worst things that can happen are that you'll always have the poor grade on your resume Um, furthermore no matter how many points you receive you will not be given a course in college if it requires a particular maths grade to enroll but that apparently is as bad as it gets you do not fail the leaving cert but it does come with some restrictions Lauren says just a brief overview of my outlook on maths paper 2 and this is from somebody who actually sat it I I myself found it manageable due to having my Grinds teacher with me last night to go over the paper. But again, imagine that, back to Grinds the night before it because of the worry and the fright they got from paper one. But again, it was really incomparable to past papers of which we were used to reviewing. The majority of the paper being circles and probability. 
there wasn't much of a mixture that we would generally be used to in past papers that we saw. There came a point in the exam where I could not stop thinking that I failed my leaving cert as I'm sure many people have also been thinking as they sit exams now. I did think it was an okay paper in comparison to paper one, but a lot of people are saying they found it extremely difficult as well. I find the question a lot of us are asking ourselves right now is, was that enough to get me at least a pass? The Irish paper was a very nice paper. That may be bias coming from me because I'm in an Irish school. However, my friend that was very stressed out about it, found it nice as well, at least. Uh, the listening wasn't too difficult and the essays were very topical with topics like the cost of living crisis. Overall, I found the Irish very nice, says Lauren. How and ever, a parent said, my son sat the higher level math paper on, Sun- on Friday. He's a very good student, has worked so hard this year, concentrating much of the time on honours maths only to be decimated by the ridiculously difficult questions on the exam paper. One course question he said he had never seen in his life, let alone knew how to solve it. I have heard of students being physically sick after the exam. One parent I spoke to uh, said she was watching her daughter round the clock now because she's a H1 student and believes she will not get points she needs for a college course. Imagine that. Having to watch your child because you worry she may not cope due to the deliberately difficult exam, especially when these children have never sat a proper state exam before. They never sat junior cert. It has also been said to me that when exams are very difficult, they mark more leniently. But this isn't good enough. Why destroy a student's self-belief in the first place? Nobody achieves anything in this situation and the students who have worked so very hard are mentally shattered and despondent, not to mention dreading paper two and the remaining exams. The whole situation is 100% unacceptable. And that's just a couple of emails. I literally have pages and pages of text, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But I want to return to a topic that we started with this morning. Um, and it uh, is the case of Vadim Vesti from Fromoy, a dual Moldovan-Romanian national who was sent down for six years for a shocking, brutal and cowardly sexual assault on a woman in uh, St. Coleman's Park in, in uh, Fromoy when she's out walking her dog. This has made all the worse because in a matter of days, just 18 days after being released from prison, where he served a sentence for the rape of a 14-year-old girl in Eastern Europe, he flew to Ireland. And many people this morning are saying that that's just not good enough. Amongst them is uh, the Northside Councillor Ken O'Flynn and he joins me by phone. Ken, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you this morning? Good. What are you proposing? What change do you want to see? Look, what I want to see really is a protection of Irish citizens, a protection of European citizens. Uh, and I think it's about time that the European Union actually, and our own MEPs, saw into action. Because it could, this could be very easily remified, uh, rectified. We have a situation where we have a number of crimes after being committed in this country from foreign nationals, from people that are, have the right to enter the Europe, uh, or European citizens who have the right to enter Europe, mm-hmm. who have the right to free movement. And I think that's all very well and fine. But if, we're not, if there's not a tagging system, if there's not an alert system while entering the country for these people, um, you know, they're, they're, they're allowed to walk around scot-free. Now, I have spoken to Gardaí in the past about this, and I know the Irish Gardaí, when there's an offender uh, leaving the country or has applied to leave the country, uh, there's a check-in, etc., they have to tell the guards that they're leaving. They have to tell the guards. That they're what going. would that be? Uh, a paedophile, rapist, um, somebody found guilty, served uh, time for murder? Uh, 
people on the sex offender uh, sex offenders list, um, and that could be that could be anything from pedophile to, to rape to, to perhaps okay. a minor offence. And who and do they? Who, what, so what? What, what, what do what, the Guardian insist on people doing? Oh, so they would they would they would uh, look for a there's a check-in system as well for for people that they have to rate that are high risk on the offenders list that would be having to check in on a regular basis with their local guard station. Now, as as your previous caller there earlier on said, there has been re-arrests for people that haven't checked into their guard station or have refused to cooperate with the guards after serving a sentence and have gone back to jail for it. Um, the thing about it is, is that. The guards are quite good. Our own guardy are quite good at that. And if a sex offender from Ireland goes to the UK or a sex offender from Ireland goes to Spain or whatever, uh, they inform the local authority and they inform the local police of the situation that there is somebody that which is potential high risk and to watch out for this person and to take note of this person. Yeah, but, uh, but they've already gone into Spain at that stage, so they won't be they are, Yes, correct. Yeah. correct. Well, so that's pretty useless. You, you can't stop people moving. Move, you can't stop people moving into Spain at that stage or into the UK at that stage, right? So what I'm proposing there is that anybody that's on the sex offender list that is a high risk, whether they're Irish citizens or whether they're British citizens or whether they're, they're Italian citizens or whatever, what we should be having is a chip on our passport because our passports are already chipped with X amount of information, and I think on the point of entry that we should be alerting. Uh, whether to the, we should be alerting uh, whether a sex offender is entering any port, any airport, anywhere in in Europe. Oh, that's very and interesting. That You're saying then on 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 conviction of the crime, passport would be surrendered for chipping. Correct, and and if somebody remains on the sex offender list, which they do for life in in a lot of cases. Um, that that information is available. So when you when you enter via passport, your passport, you hand over your passport, whether you're in the Netherlands or wherever, that information is already passed on to the local police, and um, that, that allows that allows us track in some way that there's a sex offender after entering the country, that there is somebody of high risk, that there is somebody of danger to our children, of danger to to um, women or whatever whatever sex offence uh, which is what uh, Vestes did he served a three year sentence for the rape of a 14 year old came into Ireland and then um, as I say conducted a brutal and cowardly sexual assault on a Fremont and what's absolutely frightening about this Neil is like this is not the first case that we've heard of people entering the country we having absolutely no history of them. And then at a later date, on a very, very later date, when it's inside in the court, other information has come to light where they've, commi- where they've committed atrocities or crimes or they've committed a, a, a sexual violent crime against women or children. Um, and it comes to light very, very late in the case. Mm. As mm. Did Mind you, the judge to- did say in this case that he was taking that under consideration for sentencing. He said, I have to consider the fact that Vestes had a previous conviction for the rape of a 14-year-old. Correct, correct. And of course, and he's he's dead right. He he should have and should be. Um, The thing about it is, Neil, is that if the local guardie who are in Formoy, who are very, very good, actually, in fairness to them, and you saw saw how good they were with the investigation, Mm. if they had the information, if they had this information, if they were, were alerted to the fact um, that there was a sex offender, that there was a paedophile, which is what he was, the rape of a 14-year-old is paedophilia, that there was a paedophile in this area, and this is the name, and this is the address, and this yeah. is the person who's yeah. staying here. Yeah. Perhaps this crime may never have happened. But we don't have any legislation in Ireland to alert even no, local this, communities this, this, of that. This, this, look, 
the reality is when it comes to sex offenders, and we've discussed this a, a number of years ago as well, where I highlighted the fact that in a school district of 600, 600 to 1,000 students, we had, we had 100 sex offenders registered in a one-mile radius in Cork. That's how dangerous things but are. But yet the local community I, wouldn't have been aware of that. No, Gardaí okay. would be aware of that because okay. I, I was able to ascertain the, the, the numbers in the Department of Justice at the time. Uh, and the reality is, is that Gardaí are aware of that. And Gardaí, ones that are more dangerous, Gardaí are monitoring in fairness, Here's, actually. Our own, our own Gardaí are quite good, actually, here in fairness for things like that. Here's they're my pro- so here's good. my problem here, so incidentally. So internationally. Here, here's my problem, though, with regards to somebody like Vestes, who now will go to jail for uh, six years. That would cost us €100,000 a year uh, to keep him in an Irish jail. So for six years, that's over half a million euro. Should he not be deported? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 honestly, I feel anyone that has committed a crime in this country that is a non-national, whether they're European or whether they're, they're outside the country, yes, sir, outside the European Union, if they've committed a crime, they should be housed back in their own country and they should be asked to carry out that crime, that uh, punishment for the maximum amount of sentence at the cost of the state. Okay. Or, else, or else we could house them here and charge, charge Moldova or charge uh, Romania or whoever to pay, the, the, to pay that. But Please. the reality here, Neil, is that we have to tighten up on the... Uh, look, the European Union is a wonderful... You can't tighten up on, my, you can't tighten up on legitimate have. migration, and here's no, the reason no, no, why. No, no. It was I'm two Polish, it was two Polish lads say, came to that no, woman's no, no. assistance. Neil, Neil, I didn't say about migration. I didn't mention migration. I said we have to tighten up on our security of our borders, in particular when it comes to sex offenders, when it comes to pedophiles, and the open-door policy we have around Europe. It's about the protection of our citizens. It's about the protection of our children. We'll talk about migration another day, another day, but we have to be very, very tight and controlled of who's entering the country. But I will give you this on migration. The 5,000 or the 6,000 people that have entered and tore up their passports, they should be thrown out of the country immediately because we just don't have enough information on these people. Yet when people rally or protest against things like that, they're called far right and they're called racist and they have names called at them. Look, I think it's very easy to, to brand everybody as far right. But I think there's a practicality as well about protecting our citizens, about ensuring... Look, if I arrive, if I arrive to your house, you don't know who, me, who I am, what I am, and I want to gain entry and stay the night in your house. Would you leave me in? Absolutely not. There's a practical approach to this as well. Common sense is not so common anymore mm. when it comes to Irish government and policies. There actually is European policy in place. If somebody enters the country, travelling from France, travelling from Italy, whatever, and is coming in and they've torn up their passport, we have the right to send them back to the point of origin. Thank you for that. That's already that's enshrined always... in the European Union. Okay. That's already part of the policy, but we're not taking part in that. Policy. Okay, much obliged that's as always. Ridiculous. Okay, Kenneth God Flynn, me. much obliged. Uh, he doesn't hold back, uh, has the courage of his convictions, so say that much for him. I'll talk to Dave in a second. Uh, this is a text from Formoy. It's more maddening by the day. Uh, six years jail, the guy would have raped and murdered that poor woman if the two Polish lads had not come upon him. This fellow's a sex attacker rapist and we let him through customs he attacked that woman, could have raped and killed her only for the Polish lads nearby helping. Imagine if that guy had a tag on his leg like in France. Um, it would have saved a big guard investigation which wasted guard time and taxpayers' money because the tag would just go bang. There he is at the spot at the time. It would be 99.9% proof that it was him straight away. So why are these animals not tagged? The same question 
uh, has been asked year in, year out. And we're getting zero answers other than waffle and BS from useless politicians. If someone else attacked that woman, it would also prove it wasn't him. So if it was a person trying to reform, I'd have no problem wearing a tag either. Listen to those stories and for is shocking. And then we're listening to Varadkar a few weeks ago patronising the general public by saying communities can't have a veto on who moves into their areas. My God. Uh, Neil, another one. I understand what it means to be part of the EU, as you suggest. But my point is that any person who has a criminal record, surely we, as part of the EU, or all the other countries of the EU, should be able to share information on criminals. Don't they have some type of lookout for drugs and gangs in the EU? I'm just saying that we deserve to know if criminals are here and if they're invisible with these types of crimes in their lives behind them. And the final one, if I was a member, if it was a member of my family, I'd be waiting when they come out and they'd wish they were never born. I'd give them Cade Melia Falcha. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Dave, thanks for holding. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Good. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Uh, it's just about the, the, the attack on that poor lady down in Fermoy. It yeah. was, you know, that the, the, the guy this morning, it got me annoyed that no one was pointing out that it was two Polish lads that actually saved her. Okay, that well, it was it was, the, it was the first thing I mentioned, actually, in the court reports, that it was two Polish lads that were jogging at the time. But anyway, go ahead. I know, not you. I mean, the, 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 the anyone that was ringing up, and everyone just kind of forgets that. Uh, look, again, my issue is the far right, the, the liberals, Everyone, I think if you go far enough to the to the far right, you're going to meet the people coming the other way. Actually, you know what? With regards to cancel culture, right, and shocking yep. things that happened to people in their lives where they were cancelled and ghosted, J.K. Rowling amongst them, that was all from the left, you know. The, yep, peop- the, people, the people who are supposedly telling us that we need to be kind. Yeah. Anyway. But it's the same they're the same it's the same people. I think when you once you get to that extreme fringe, it's the same. The majority of the people are in the middle and then unfortunately because of the fringe element, they kinda get dragged apart a little bit. And now you're you're having these arguments about whether uh, uh, people should be allowed into the country that need help or not. When it's not about that. It should be that the, the thing we should have the systems already set up to help these people when they get here. These are, these are as they say, well, that's utopia. It might be like that in it's heaven. It's not utopia. It's, it's a legacy issue. Like they keep saying in politics, it's a legacy issue. We don't have enough housing. We don't have enough this because nothing was ever done in it. Uh, I went the, into the yeah. Go on. I won't interrupt. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I went into the Netherlands uh, when I was a teenager. I went. To, I went. I was going over to the Netherlands to see a band, and I lost my passport on the airplane. It came out of my coat pocket up in the overhead compartment. So when I got to the security in the Netherlands, I didn't have my passport. And they pulled me into a customs room. And I was interviewed for, I suppose, about 10, 15 minutes where they wanted to know who I was. You know, I had to have ID. They told me if I didn't have any of this stuff, I'd just be put back on a plane and sent back to Ireland. But I had my, I had my user card. I had my proof of my hotel and I had a, a ticket for a gig. So they had no problem then that, that I was Irish. They went and they checked it all. They came back and they gave me citizenship. Now, I don't know if that worked the exact same way. They gave you what? They gave me Dutch citizenship for three days. (laughs) Really? I know. Yeah. I got a printout saying that I was to be treated as a Dutch uh, citizen for for the three days, you know, with the time limit, uh, the the dates that I was flying in and flying out. And then when I got back to Schiphol to to leave, I showed them the form, no problem. Came back into Cork, showed them the form, no problem at all. Filled out my form for uh, missing passport or lost passport, and that was it. Did you ever find the passport? 
Yeah, it was, it was, I got it about two or three days later from the passport office. I got a phone call from Aer Lingus saying that it had been found in the overhead compartment. Because I, I went back to get it, but they wouldn't let me back on the plane because it had already been started to be filled to come back to Cork. Okay, but there's a big, there's a big difference to what happened to you when you arrived in Schiphol and you were brought into a customs area for questioning. You just wanted to go in for a few days. The big Absolutely. difference here is that you didn't turn around and but, say, I want to claim international protection status. No, 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 ab- absolutely. But, but, but I was a and European if you were citizen, to say, so it wouldn't no, matter. But it wouldn't matter as a European citizen. But what happens here, no. if somebody comes in and, and just has no documentation or has lost it or whatever the case may be, they will be sent out. But the moment they would claim asylum, refugee status, international protection order uh, status, different rules apply then. Completely yes, different absolutely. rules apply. And then that's what, that's what I'm saying, that that's when we should have had, when we signed up to be in Europe, we should have had proper places set up for these people when they come in so that we can do proper background checks, we can do all the things that we need to do without just putting them in a hotel in a little people, town. I don't think people are racist. I really and truly don't. But here is, I the, don't here is the anger of the vast majority of people who feel we have done enough. And it is this, right? All of a sudden, um, there's a war in Ukraine and many, many countries, and Ireland really, more so than a lot of others, are bending over backwards to help people as best they can. We have found, not all of the money came from the European Union, incidentally, some of it is our own money. We have found billions, all of a sudden. We have found billions to sort out housing, accommodation, hotel rooms, modular homes for people fleeing war. People's anger is that none of this was ever done for an Irish family in crisis, um, but they weren't, or, or, they weren't or, angry. They weren't angry before the war in Ukraine. Like uh, these people were homeless then as well at the same time. Like we, the money was found no, as well during COVID. Well, when when COVID hit, we didn't have any money to do anything for the homeless people or to fix the health service. I mean, the health service has been in decline forever. Yeah, but but then, yeah. then people so, so, see so then the people see all sorts of emergency measures coming in for people who genuinely I believe the vast majority of them need the help when they come need here. That, yeah, absolutely. So and look, and, I mean, you're and so they're getting get the bad eggs, no, of but, course. But all of a sudden, then they find all of these places for people to to live: uh, holiday villages, rental homes, yes. apartments, yes. hotel rooms. Um, at the moment now, all of the student accommodation for the summer, things like That's that. Right. Uh, you've yeah. got a PPS number, you've got a medical card, you've got a social welfare payment, you've got travel yeah. allowance, you've got, um, which, uh, you pay a minimal amount of money for three square meals a day. And people are saying, am I, am I living in the same country? But look, I totally agree with him. I, I, I agree with them on that sense because I, when I, I, lived outside of your, I lived outside of Ireland for 10 years. I lived in Europe. I, went from, I lived in the Netherlands for eight years. Then I went to Spain for two years and then I moved back here. When I moved from the Netherlands to when I moved from Ireland to the Netherlands, it was no problem. I was able to bring my EU form saying that I'd paid all my taxes in Ireland while I was working here. No problems at all. Slotted into the Dutch system, got my Sophie number, like my PPS number, and got going. No problems. When I went to Spain, same thing. Went to the uh, Dutch tax department. They gave me a form to say that I'd paid all my taxes in the Netherlands, so I was entitled to everything in Spain. I got my cat salute card, everything, so I was able to go to the clinics, everything. Mm. Mm. When I was coming back here, got the exact same form from the Spanish government, mm. went into the Irish, uh, into the, I had to go into the Dole okay. office down in uh, Hanover Street at the time, and they told me that this form doesn't apply in Ireland. They wouldn't accept the fact that I'd been paying my stamps and my taxes in another European country. Well, that's just confusing if other European countries did and you come home and they don't. I understand. You the, I told the girl to turn the form over and there's a list of all the countries that this is supposed to apply to and, the, and Ireland is on it and she said no. 
I had to be means tested. They couldn't accept my stamps. Mm. So Ireland is a part of Europe when it suits it, and when it suits it, it's also not. We Thank pay a, t- a fine every year on the VRT. So my, my issue is, it's not an issue with the people coming in. It's an issue with the politicians that have been running the country for the last hundred years. Okay, thanks for that. Steve, good morning. Thanks for holding. Bye, bye. Okay, I'm good. Um, no passport, no entry, if it were that simple. Yeah, but there yeah, are... Look- I think the last person there, the last thing he said, he nailed it on the head, right? It's not the illegal immigrants coming in, it's the government, yeah? It all comes back to the government, right? We've a, we've a fellow there in charge of uh, Fianna Fáil, or he's a local man there, Micheál Martin. He's in government since 1989, he's in government, yeah? Do you know how much he's worth, Neil? He's worth over three million. Do you know how much he makes a week? How do you know that? Hang on a second, how do you know that? Listen to me, because I'm after doing my research on it, right? It's well, out there. Share, if anyone wants to do the research, you can do it. It's, it's public, like it's, it's not a hidden fact. Like, share you know the I mean? research. Where did you get that figure from? Uh, from a reputable website. A reputable Hello? website. Yeah. Well, no, can I move on from no, that? No, uh, no, 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 because that, that's a that's a serious claim to make against somebody. No reputable I will, website. I actually have a list of politicians that are millionaires in front of me, Nick. Um. Yeah, but you put a figure of three million on his worth, and I'm asking you. Oh, that's at, that's at, that's at, that's at least what he's worth. Okay. Leo, Leo Varadkar is worth at least two, and uh, Eamon Ryan is worth at least three. That's at least what they're worth, right? This is actually from a year or two ago. No, there, that's what they're worth. But I want to move on from that, from that. Okay, we have a load. Like you're on about, come back from the illegal immigrants and all that a second, right? We've so many things here failing for ourselves, right? We've so many things failing, right? Ah, uh, you're, you're right. No, I have it here now. Thank you very much. You are listing the Sunday Independence rich list. Yeah. Um, and there it is. Uh, they go through it in detail uh, and they include... Well, yeah. I, I just, can we just page down to... Just, I just want to double check the figure on, on Micheál Martin and see if he is on that list and what the amount is. Go ahead while you're doing that and let me just check. Go ahead. Well, anyway, right, we have the biggest crisis when it comes to all of our services that we've ever had. As I say, Micheál Martin is in government now since 1989, lads, yeah? And look at all the things that are failing, right? Our, our healthcare, our, and you know what really sickens me now, Neil, right, is our old-age pensioners and rural Ireland, and to all the people out there now listening, you all know the state of the place at the moment, what's happening around the place with the crime. You were only on about it the other day, about up in Boyce Street again, that old man getting robbed of his pension. But we have a lot, a lot of issues going around, on around the place here now. Cancer patients, anybody that has health problems cannot get help. If you have kids special needs or you, you, need, you need an assistant or something like that, you cannot get help, all right? Yeah. I know it. If you're trying to do things legitimately, right, and you're a salesman, or if you're doing an apprenticeship, no, it's taking six or seven years to get qualified in a trade when you're actually trying. How is this? What are Foss doing, Nate? Can, can anybody ask a politician now? What are Foss doing with the tradesmen and stuff in the country? Because I'm a tradesman myself. You, and you, tell me, you, you tell me. I hear it's just that people don't want to go into apprenticeships. No, well, well, I'll put it to you this no, this way, no, Neil. I'm, I'm, I'm in that game, and I know loads of us with apprenticeships, and we can't get qualified. We're in the system now by four or five, six, seven years, or something as are in the trade doing their apprenticeship, and they can't. For us, it's taken too long to come back and put fellas through uh, college, and you know, it's taken years to get through college and to get qualified and stuff. And the minute a fella does get qualified, no. He's going to bounce. He's going to get out of here because the money's not here. And, we're, and the trades money... This where will they go? Where, where, where will they go? Where will they go? Wherever the money is, wherever the money's better, Neil, and the lifestyle is better. Canada or Aussie, I suppose, or yeah. the game I'm in now, the Middle East, you make a lot of money, you know? True enough. But anyway, Actually, just, on, just on that, I did find the political risk, rich list for 2021, and it states that Micheál Martin, Cork South Central and Fianna Fáil has a total value of €3,122,542, yeah. yeah. of which over €2 million of that is his pension pot. Yeah, so... Right, Neil, right. How can Mihal Martin relate to any of us? 
How can he relate to any of us? He can't. He can't relate to any of us, Neil. He's he's in power since 1989, since before I'm born. And I hope the next time he gets voted out, because the last time he got voted in his fifth call, I'm a local fella. I used to work in a place in town. I used to, I, I, I walked in the butchers in the mark when I was a young fella, and I used to serve him, me. I used to speak to the man. And if I seen him now, I'd love to actually confront him and just say, Michal, what's going on? What is going on with the place? Like, Because we're all trying our best here by it, and we're all being put down. The working man is the poorest man of the country. You know, what about the army, Neil? What about the Navy? What about healthcare? What about our nurses and our doctors? You know what I mean? What about the guards? What about What about everything? Listen, out of every hundred What about our fire officers? What about our retained fire that, officers? Neil, that this are is on another strike? thing now. To all, the, to all the firemen out there, by and all the, all the emergency services, lads, fair play to you, by and all the people. We're behind you anyway. The government might be, but I'm a normal fella, by and I support you to the top of the hills anyway. And I think everyone does. Right. The government, yeah. All right. What about um? What was I going to say, Neil? What about the homeless crisis, man? There's twelve thousand people homeless, and I know, I know. Like, we, out of twelve thousand, right? We say if the two thousand of them that are helpless, you can't help them. What about the other ten thousand? What's been done to help them? Town is actually very rough. My grandmother there, and I know my my other stuff. We will not walk in town anymore, man. It's too rough. It's too rough. The drug situation and everything. The guards. Oh, yeah. If you went, Neil, you should go for a walk around the place after walking around the wrong town, but you will, you will not I do. I was in there yesterday. I was in town yesterday afternoon, and I do see people who are clearly very, very, very yeah, addicted. Yeah, and did you see many guards, Neil? Uh, Where are the guards gone? Where are the guards see. gone? I can't understand this. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm but, I was in, but I was in town then on Saturday night, and there was a fantastic buzz around. It oh, was yeah, just but super. You see, Neil, you see, Neil, right? On a Saturday, see... Every day in town is a normal day for other people. But on a Saturday, people come from everywhere and they flood town and they're not normally in town. But if you go in town like me and you do on a normal day, you'll see the real you see it society. Then. I agree 100%. There, you you know see it I mean? by day more so by like, than by When night. town is flooded on a Saturday, you're not going to see what's really happening unless you, unless you know what's going to happen and you're looking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah. Have to yeah. But anyway, yeah. I, uh, what else is there? Now, you'll rent accommodation. Uh, nursing homes that's another one that buys my blood by nursing homes and our old age pensioners by what they're doing to the old age pensioners by in this country and the people that built the place and what they're doing with their pensions and everything they, they have no respect literally no respect and this is what it comes back to as well like money because these fellas have money Neil they, they don't understand like you know what I mean money countries is not awa- they'll the never be stuck for it money. the country's a wash up money yeah, it's okay. a wash up money Neil but I'm, not, I'm a walking man you're a walking man I don't know about you I, people I know whatever we're all walking fellas well, we can't we, we don't have anything do you know what I mean we're paying our bills we're paying this we're paying that paying four or five hundred quid a week tax and we have nothing at the end of the week are the, tra- not, are the trades are the trades all leaving the single men is it are they going with families <laughs> Well, any fella, it's like you're going to be any young fella that's, that's single that can go is going, Neil. You know what I mean? It's gone. Like, why would you stay? You know what I mean? Why would you stay here? Like, literally, why would you stay even when you have a good trade and you have a good job and you're qualified and you're getting good money? What they'll tell you is good money in this country, but it's actually about three grand less than what Michal, Michal is getting a week. Uh, do you know what I mean? You can't. It's, it's, it's literally what it comes down to, Neil. Is right. if you're earning so much and you're, you're, like, you're paying your bills and all that stuff, like. You have nothing left. You have nothing left, boy. You have nothing left. Right. No, I was saying that the last day, right? People are on about all oh, getting a mortgage and getting this. And Neil, if you if you have the money now to get a mortgage, right? You're made, boy. If you have the money to get a mortgage and, you, and you're successful in getting a mortgage, boy, I think that's the goal for a lot of people now. And if they get that, that's everything to them. That's how hard it is to get it. Whereas a normal fellow meant to get 50,000, 70,000 to save up for a mortgage, boy. Mm. We don't have it. My mm. parents don't have it to give me. Unlike Leo said, go to borrow the man bank of my dad. Neil, you're the same. You know where we all come from. We don't. We don't come from money. We're only normal working class people. Why yeah. we try our best. We're honest people. 
and these guys are screwing us the whole time. I don't, think, I don't think Ireland um, actually supports or, is, or encourages success at all. I just don't think so. No, it doesn't, Neil. Neil. I think Listen, it penalises It's another it. thing, right? You know, it's another thing, and I hate it. It's like, you see it in the workplace there as well, but it's, it's, instead of a fella saying, good job, but that's a good idea, he'd almost say, oh, you sure? You know, they're always, that's the problem with the Irish, but we're always putting each other down. We need to start supporting each other. In ourselves, it's the same with the soccer and it's the same with the sports. That's why we're all failing as well, bad rugby, because the rugby stand together shoulder to shoulder. Every other sport doesn't. We're all biased and we're all, oh, he plays for the Glen, I play for the Pear Sheik, and when we play for Cork, we can't play together. That's what's happening. You know what I mean? It's all. All right. You have a lot to say, my man. Do stay in touch. Listen, can I say another one or two things to you, please, by the way? It's not. The tip of the iceberg is the illegal immigrants here at the moment, because as I say, right? And it's not the Ukrainians, but they're at war. We need to help them. Anybody that's genuine will help. And your last caller said a while ago, why don't we tag them? It's as simple as this. If a fella is coming anywhere near our country by criminal convictions, especially ones for rape or anything like that, he doesn't even land here. He doesn't even get off the plane. There's armed guardy meet him on the plane and he's sent straight back. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. That'll kill the problem. Don't mind your tagging him. What, what does to do? Tag every scumbag that comes in and follow him. We can't follow our own scumbag. Well, please. that should be something you know that's I mean? done at the point of exit then, not at the point of point, entry. But it won't be done at the point of exit. So what we'll have to do to guard ourselves is when they land here, no passport, no entry. If you're if you're a criminal or whatever, we can, and it's not that you might be a good fellow. We can't take the chance, and it's as simple as that. We've enough our own problems. We've enough to deal with child, children, healthcare, old age pensioners, all, all the right. farmers out there, lads. I'm with you. All right. To everyone, there's a struggling with eviction, with struggling with inflation, struggling with the economy. To the old person now tonight, that's the, that's deciding: will they heat their home, or will they make something to eat, or will they keep their money for Friday and they might get on and have one pint and sit in the pub for a bit of company for the day? You know, this is what boils me. Neil, when we come back to it a couple of years ago, same politicians though are telling us what to do here were the same politicians that told us we couldn't visit our elderly grandparents we couldn't go 5k from our home you couldn't go into a pub and have a drink unless you bought a sandwich you know what I mean come you have a lot on, to say on. Steve you have a lot to but say I, man. Right, and, I, right. and I think and a lot of people right. I think a lot of people will agree with the v- pretty much the vast majority of what you you're know, saying you know like another one a bit right. me, Eamon Ryan is on about climate change Neil the size of the world and the size of Asia and all in places no matter what we do here by it will not make a difference to climate change we try our best and all that he's on about getting rid of the horde here right 20 years ago the Irish government told the farmers because there used to be a thing they could only produce so much stuff, right? They told the farmers 20 years ago, right, your tariffs are gone, produce as much as you want, buy in as much gear as you want, here's a loan for a million, here, Johnny, here's two million, here, Patsy, here's four million, you'll be paying it off for the rest of your life, but do what you need to do. This is 20 years later, so now they're turning around to the same minute, they're saying, right, Paddy, call your herd, but you still owe us the money, yeah. uh, shut that down, you're not going to produce this way anymore, you're not going to produce that way. We're going to kill off all our prime Irish animals here in this country, the best in the world, and let we're going to start importing from Brazil and Venezuela and Colombia, right? Let me share the airtime with some other good people. And listen to me, and do you know what? And do you know all the emissions that comes from them and stuff? You know yourself. Yeah, all right. A lot to say. Do stay in touch. There'll be another day. Thank you, Steve. That uh, rich list is, is interesting, actually, when you take into consideration that a lot of it is to do with the pension pot. Mio Martin, 3.1 million. Simon Coveney, 2.5 million. Michael Creed, 2.4 million. I'm just rounding them uh, off. Michael Moynihan, 2.4 million. Cullen Burke, 2.2 million. Uh, Michael Collins, 1.7 million. David Stanton, 1.6. Michael McGraw, 1.1 million. Sean Sherlock, 1.1 million. Uh, Pat Buckley, 637,000. Andreas Moynihan, 540,000. Mick Barry, uh, 490,000. A lot of that is pension. Donegal Lira, uh, 430,000 uh, half of that is pension Padraig O'Sullivan 305,000 Thomas Gould 275,000 
Christopher O'Sullivan, 41,000, um, which is all pension, all pension. Holly Carnes, 36,000, which is all pension. And James O'Connor, 31,000, which is all pension. And that's the rich list from 2021. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. And you can text 0868 106 And people are in quite an amount of them, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. Back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Go ahead. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Ken O'Flynn hit on something there that's been in the back of my head for quite some time about the migration of criminals across the European Union. And the passport idea is, is a brilliant one, but how it should be working is that anyone who's uh, convicted of a, a serious crime, that their passport would be chipped uh, and it would stop their, uh, their movement between... He says a uh, built-in countries. chip on their passport which will allow all yes. European countries to know of the yes. potential risk of this person entering their country. That makes sense yes. to me. But as, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as soon as they're arrested, their passport should be confiscated. As soon as the judgment has been passed on them, their passport should be confiscated and it should be done while they're locked up so that when they come out that they have to reapply for their passport so the authorities know that they have the intention to move and it would be chipped anywhere. Now, for people who wouldn't have a passport, uh, they, they would have also to apply for one, of course, and uh, there would have to be a consideration if they have any criminal uh, outstanding criminal actions that are before the court, and any passport that you would give them would be, pass, uh, would be chipped as well. Now, that would also uh, stop us sending all criminals overseas to other countries so that they're, they're not dealing with uh, our, our problems, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and and look, and and it, and it can be quite done from from uh, from a. Any and should this should this be only past sexual offences on the record? No, 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 any serious crime. Right, but what about doing a serious crime and doing serious time, and then having your debt to society expunged by prison time? Uh, yeah, that that's that's fair enough. But you can uh, you can expunge your. Uh, your your time in your own jurisdiction. You okay. don't have to be sent over okay. to somewhere else. Yeah. And 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 if the other side do uh, decide to take you in, well, that's their responsibility then because they know your history. But I've been talking about this topic about the movement of sexual offences across sexual offenders across borders for years and years. But yet, for instance, mm. um, he was making the point earlier on, Kenneth Flynn. He spoke to me on air some years ago with a, popu- a community with a population of maybe six or seven hundred students in a particular area of Cork suburbs, had 100 registered sex offenders, but yet the community wouldn't have known of any of them. So, That's correct. You know, it's yeah. very it's very lax in many ways. Well, well listen, <clears throat> we, we now have a situation where everything's computerised because if you have a driving offence now in any European uh, state, you can get the points on your licence here. And so what's very interesting about that, actually, is that if you have penalty points, right, uh, on your licence... Yeah. Your insurance company knows about it, so that information is shared. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is this is a this is a quick fix. This is an absolute quick fix. And Ken was right. Anybody who turns up at our bars, our bottles without documentation is, uh, you know, a cherry or good luck. Mm. <clears throat> we don't actually care where you go, but get back on the plane that you came in on. Okay. You know? Okay. Okay. Good point. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. One of the two referendums we voted against, uh, but were made revote to suit the E agenda. Agenda was to allow the expansion of Europe, which is causing massive problems, coupled with a one-way asylum system. Um, another one here says we were flying home from Palma, Mallorca, on a flight into Cork on the 26th of May. The guy in his 30s, agitated a bit, walking up and down the plane. I didn't think much of it at the time. 
because there were lots of kids on the plane and it was a quite busy flight. When we arrived in Cork, he was ahead of us in the queue. He had no papers, no ID, nothing, and was whisked away into a side room. He must have had some papers or ID to get on the Palma plane in the first place. I often wonder what happened after he was questioned. Was he sent back? Don't fool yourself. It's only a matter of time before Cork becomes similar to Dublin, as you described. Already, I think it's unfortunately changed to what it once was. I've noticed in my own town here in West Cork that it's like being somewhere abroad. There are many nationalities here now. One Sunday, I saw what looked to me like a family of eight who are of Indian descent. I always felt we were away from all that down here. But you know what? We're not. We're just the same as every other town and village in the country. And I hardly recognize my own town anymore. It's only a matter of time that Cork changes to. You know, I find that I find that bewildering. I mean, I have to say, thank you for listening, and uh, I'm I'm glad to have you on board. But that you would you would have a, a bad feeling uh, about somebody with a different colour skin living or working or rearing a family and sending children to school in your local community. It's just beyond my realm of comprehension. I have to say. Uh, what annoys me, another one, what annoys me that about that rapist is the cost it has incurred on the state. Free legal aid to begin with, prison for six years, and when he comes out, he'll probably get a free house, unemployment benefit and a medical card. And he never contributed a penny to the Irish state. The Irish taxpayer are being taken for a ride. I'm very annoyed. Ireland is a joke. The stat, actually, the financial number on incarcerating and looking after an Irish prisoner is €90,000 per year. Um, that lady in Formoy and others should sue the state when these people have previous convictions for the same offence, says Tim. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm suing, I'm suing you on the basis that you allowed a rapist who um, raped a minor into the country in the first place. Send the prison bill perhaps to the country they come from. Don't give them the comfort of sending them home to their own country. Just build their own country. Good luck with that. Uh, when you and I check in for a flight, your seat number and name are matched. Why can't we cross-check the flight manifest to check the identity of these document um, eaters? Not too sure that they're eating them, but they're certainly tearing them up. Why is that beyond them? Never mind the amount coming into Ireland via the English Channel, says Bobby. Uh, I, Neil, I wonder where he only served three years for the rape of the 14-year-old, says Kay. Um, that's a very good question, actually. Um, allow, me, allow me some time to find out which country the three-year sentence was was actually served in. Back after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, check that to the person asking where did Veste serve the three-year prison sentence for the rape of a 14-year-old girl. It doesn't say in the court reports. All it says is that he uh, served a three-year prison sentence for the rape of a 14-year-old girl who was known to him in Eastern Europe in 2016. My apologies, I can't tell you any more than that. But, bizarrely, do you remember the text I read out there of people flying home from Palma, Mallorca on a flight into Cork on the 26th of May? Here's another one. I don't know if it's the same flight, um, but the person is saying it was the 25th of May on a flight back to Palma from Cork. So, two different texts. Now, there could be two different flights, which would make it even more extraordinary, but the second text talks about the 25th of May, a flight from Palma back to Cork. A young man, aged maybe in his early 30s, was in and out of the toilet of the plane. And when he arrived in, we arrived in Cork at passport control, he had nothing. No photo ID, no documents, nothing. He must have flushed, flushed the passport, I'm assuming, as how else did he board our plane? The security guard came out in Cork and guarded him to a side room. Just an example to you of how easy it was to get into the country. Don't give them my details. The flight was Palma to Cork, 6pm, leaving Palma on the 25th of May. 
Could well be the same flight and the other person maybe got the, the date of their flight, the 26th, incorrect and wrong. Uh, but isn't that amazing? You get um, first-hand uh, examples of how it can happen. Listen, uh, back after 11 with more, more call, t- texts and emails. But do bear in mind, it's summertime and the weather is bammy. Um, and we have summer family passes to give away all summer long. To those of you that were lucky enough to win family passes for Spike yesterday, lucky you. It includes the ferry trip over and back. You will have a wonderful family day. Today, I have family passes to give away for Skibbereen Heritage Centre. Have you been there? No? Then you should go. It's terrific. Bear in mind, though, that uh, unless things have changed, it doesn't open on Sunday. I had some friends of mine, family members, actually went down to Skibbereen and stayed and wanted to go on the Sunday, but it was closed. It's a Monday to Saturday um, for the high season of summer. But it's an incredible experience, the famine story in Skibbereen and lots more besides. So we have family passes to give away for it. Uh, not only can you go to the Skibbereen Heritage Centre, but you can go also to the burial ground of tens of thousands of people from the greater Skibbereen area who died during the famine. So Skibbereen, the famine story, the Heritage Centre, family passes between now and midday today. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Now... Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Back to calls in a few minutes' time, but just on a lighter note, talking about the weather and summer loving and what have you. Earlier this morning, I was telling you about the top 10 summer moments. They did research, apparently, on it, John Lewis did, and they found that summer is the favourite season, um, and they polled 2,000 adults. And what do they love about summer? Well, number one was the longer days and the sunny evenings. Number two was not having to turn the heating on, not having to wear a coat being able to spend time in the garden, the smell of freshly cut grass, um, you know, brighter mornings when you get up of a day, eating outside. So I suppose that one probably technically covers barbecues, um, you know, seeing wildflowers or being able to get, get loads of washing done by all accounts. One or two others. Um, believe it or not, what I love about this time of the year is not having to clean out the fire every morning, says Dave. <laughs> Thank you for that. Keep, keep those ones coming. Uh, one or two that don't make it actually is cold beer. Iced cold beer of a summer's afternoon or a pint bottle of Bulmers on ice for other people or wearing shorts. I don't think I've worn long pants since the start of May. Much to the annoyance of most people in my life, I suppose. But wearing shorts or changing your entire wardrobe for the summer, that's male and female. The clothes that you get to wear when the weather is just gorgeous. Anyway, your own summer loving moment, please. Text 0868104106 and we'll drive that on. And don't forget, <laughs> it's like a ball and chain around my neck. I still have the um, uni um, pizza oven, the outdoor pizza oven to give away. Courtesy of ourselves in Hanley's Garden Centre. So uh, keep those texts coming. Summer loving moments, please. Text 0868104106. We'll give it away one of these days. Don't you worry. It'll happen. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, text 0868104106. When you check, when you and I check in for a flight, your seat number and name are matched. Why can't they cross check it with the manifest? A lot of people saying that, actually. Would it be uh, another one here? We have Irish citizens calling their own people far right. Why can't they see that we need controls on our borders? Why not deport the guy to serve the time in either Moldova or indeed Romania? Um, again, there's a huge cost on the state also, incidentally, uh, and I mentioned that figure of 90 grand per year. Keep those texts coming back to the phone lines. Una, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. I appreciate the length of time you waited, uh, but your opinion matters, so go ahead. 
No, I'm just uh, making the point that... Um, you're sick to death of politicians is the point you're making. Sick to death of politicians watering down uh, the seriousness of people entering our country without documents by saying that we need, uh, or should we need workers, you know? That's not the way you address an employment issue in a country, by allowing... Uh, undocumented people into the country. Uh, you in, you in address the employment issue by having proper employment migration policies and background checks. Mm, yeah, you're mixing one up with the other. With, with all due respect, though, I don't know that a politician would say that we need to allow undocumented people into the country with no documentation because we need workers. That has never been said. Um, no, but it's been implied, you know. I mean, they imply it when the the, the topic is brought up. They say, well, you know, we, we do need workers in the country, you know. And I mean, that, that it, it's not directly said that we need undocumented workers, but when the issue of undocumented migrants coming into the country is brought up, that's what will come back. That's the narrative that they've created to justify their lack of... Well, okay. No, well, they, well, they may give that impl- Im- they might may imply that, but let's be very clear about it. We need people to come to Ireland to work. I think we're all agreed on that. I hope to God we're all agreed on that. But we need people that, that have proper background checks, not pe- you know, uh, busloads of healthy young bucks coming in with no documents and being transported around the country in the middle of the night into communities that nobody knows who they are or where they came from. You yeah, know, I mean. Yeah. That, that's that's not what we need. We need proper immigration and migration employment policies where people are given proper, not sending out the message that if you if you can get in at all, you know you'll 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 be looked after and you'll get your job and you'll get your your house and whatever. That's not what we need. And you know, incentivizing. But that's the message. That, I mean, it wasn't my intention to start. I didn't start the program this morning with that in mind. I, w- I wanted to talk about somebody who would come here with a previous conviction for the raping of a fourteen-year-old and get into the country and then sexually assault a woman in a park in Formoy. That's where I started. We, we always seem to get dragged back into. Okay, a lot well, of you the. See, you see, but, but, but this is the burning issue. This is the underlying issue in the country: is our borders. It's, it's, I'm, not, I'm not pointing these particular group out. These are the groups of people that are coming in unchecked. And this guy had a right to be here because he's an EU citizen. But again, the lack of, of checking, the lack of anything, you know, uh, it's just, it's criminal really. You he know? wouldn't, yeah. No, the fact is, the, the only thing that should have been checked is, is this guy, is this guy raped or sexually assaulted anybody before? Oh, hold on. Yes, he did. Over in Moldova or Romania, he happened to have raped and spent three years in jail for raping a 14 year old. Oh, sorry. But well, if he did that, he can't come in. Good luck. But sure, if they're not willing to put in checks for people that have documents, how can we expect them to have any trace or, 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 or control over people that haven't documents? You know, this is the, the, the dichotomy. This is the, the conflict that's going on. This constant conflict that's going on in people you know, about these issues and... But we should have no... We should have no I know it. that. I understand that. And there are ten to 12,000 of them. Last time it was... Uh, I looked at the numbers, but there's equally 100,000 uh, others who came here fleeing war and oppression and... Well, we, I mean, we have, I have no have problem with migrants or people from other countries living here or coming in here or working here or integrating here. Why would they but want... I mean, when, I mean, think about why would they... Like, say, why would unskilled workers... From other countries, you know, unless you're a surgeon or a doctor or an engineer or somebody with a serious um, uh, uh, employment background, why would you come over here to work in a country where you're going to be 
probably sharing a bedroom with four other people, paid slave minimal wages, and an in, and a, a raging cost of living. What the hell is the attraction? Well, I mean, there are, there are lots of attractions. We're a very uh, loose society, obviously, if they can get in here in the first place. They're, they're not going to be open to too many checks and balances. Um, no, I'm not saying that. Know, I'm talking about good people who come here. Why would they want to come here to work um, for minimum wage and long hours? Uh, I mean, what's the attraction? Like, surely be to well, God. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you know... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we are we are a very uh, supportive country when it comes to to people from abroad coming in. So, I mean, and and they've been told they're going to be looked after. And I mean, the the word goes out in the world as well. There's a whole underground uh, communication that goes out about what countries are the countries to go to, where you'll get in, where you'll be looked after best, and where you'll have the easiest time and Ireland is probably on, on the list you know and this is why they make it here and the other thing too is that they, they'll get free access to Britain eventually if they get and a lot of them don't want to stay here a lot of them want to be in England they can't get in there now so they're coming here and mm. the back gate in you know Okay. and if they're being thrown out of England they can come down through the, the north you know so I mean we do if, we, if we're not willing to check people that already have documents to see if they're criminals what hope do we have when we're not checking people that are coming in with no documents. Okay. You know, we're an open, you know. Thank you for that, okay, Una. Thanks. Cheers. With regards to Steve, who was quite passionate. Steve is quite right. My brother has been an apprentice for two years and hasn't stepped foot in a school. Foss is backed up and they just don't seem to care. Steve also made the point that when people do come through eventually and qualify, they leg it to other countries. Love this guy. He's so passionate about his country. 100% agree with him. Uh, somebody else says he's rambling. I've lost interest. Somebody else saying, I'm switching you off. Listen to that guy talk about the rich list would wreck your head. Says a 74-year-old Jim in Wilton. Well, it just that rich list exists. I mean, it, it's a rich list for all politicians in Ireland. I just happened to read out the Cork ones. Um, you're clearly telling me don't go back and read out any more of them. Um, what people were wondering why the Gardaí weren't inside in the city because they're hiding in ditches doing speed checks. Again, yeah, that's it. Have a bash at the old Gardaí, huh? The, the guys and girls who are out on the beat doing their job as best they can and doing the duties that are assigned to them. I'll tell you one thing that would wreck your head. I was cycling through town yesterday, coming back from the from the gym, and I happened to pass Anglesey Street Courthouse, and unfortunately, all too often, you see too many uh, members of Mangarda Shikona and too many detectives as well, clearly having done all the work, don't get me wrong, and in there, and they have to be in court and everything. Uh, but there's got to be a better way so that we don't have so many man-hours and I mean that for both male and female members of the force, taken up, hanging around courtrooms and courthouses. Uh, loving the guy talking at the moment. You need more people on air like Steve. Somebody else says, Steve for president. I'd vote for him. Another person. I love the passion from your caller, Steve. And one final one, because there are many. This man speaking right now is the best I've heard in a very long time. He's right in everything he's saying. He is a voice of the people. Uh, we should have more like Steve. I have goosebumps listening to him. We need to stand up now and fight back. He's 100% right about everything. Um, my God, there's loads of them. One, mind, one final one. That man needs to get involved in politics instead of pathetic excuses we seem to have as politicians at the moment. He speaks for the large majority of the country. One other. You haven't a clue what's going on in town, Neil. I was working on the South Mall last week. I witnessed six junkies, his word, not mine, and one guard came down on a bike and arrested one. He said to him, if you have any more rocks on you, release them now. 
He was taken in and the crack pipe was left on the ground for hours on end. The Garda wouldn't pick it up. He had no gloves. I saw later on the same day the same individuals begging on the streets. Well, isn't that exactly what I just said earlier on? It is a, it is a pointless exercise. You know, whether it's that individual on the South Mall or the other individual um, smoking heroin with a crack pipe of tinfoil inside in a city car park. What is the point? I mean, what can the what can the guards do? Absolutely nothing regarding that. Tom, good morning. How are you, Neil? Good, 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 good. Um, this 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 started out. Forgive me for saying this for a second time about somebody who can get into the country having raped a fourteen-year-old in Eastern Europe, but it's morphed into something entirely different. But anyway, I've said it again. Go ahead. Um, the only comment I have to make is about uh, this label that you put put on to people they call you far right what should, you, what should it be what should it be well far right is only a label that they put on, they put on you to shut you up do you understand yeah 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 it's, it's been it's like a dirty word yeah and it's put on to you the minute you open your mouth and say something like that call you had a while ago you say there's no far right in Ireland there's no far right in this country and if there was no. you'd be in it is it no, I'd be in it I'd be, I'd be of that frame of mind you know right what what is that frame of mind if there was what's a, what would a real far right look like um when we take our country back Neil from who you know from Europe basically you know I think we'd have to get out of Europe You'd rue that you know? day, pal. You see what happened with Brexit. Look, You'd regret that one. I know. It's going to be a rough ride, but it has to be done. You shut down trade with 32 other countries overnight. Look, Europe is going to collapse anyway. It's as simple as that. You know, Europe is on the verge of collapsing. You know, it's not going to last another 10 years, I'll tell you that. So our far, our far right would be very different, say, to like an Italian far right, would it? Well, you see, I'm not anti-migrant as such. Should, and you shouldn't be. You should, like, no, for, no, forgive no, me not for saying that, but you, you shouldn't. Not be. at all, not at all, not at all, not at all. But, you know, you've got to have proportionality. you got to... We need to build hospitals, schools, housing, you know yourself, infrastructure. Yeah, but who will do... If we had no migrants, who would do all of the jobs that the Irish won't do? And rightly so a lot of the time, because the wages are so shocking. Irish people put a higher value on themselves than working for some of the money that's been paid. But there's cost- no problem. There's no problem with the wages in this country. It's the cost of living is the problem. Well, I'm not so sure that working forty hours a week in a split shift for eleven euro an hour is is, uh, is decent. That's when, bad money. That's bad money. Yeah, well, if you look at the hospitality, look at catering. Look at anybody involved in um, in hospitality, and you'll find that's what they're working for. Look at for people who work in creches, looking after our children. Look at the allowances that are given to people who work in home help or carers' allowance. I think the minimum should be about fifteen euros an hour now to make it pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, good points, well made. Thank you for that. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. I was in Dublin yesterday. Says Mary, I couldn't stop talking about it last night. The walking zombies. I saw one holding a syringe between his teeth while he was tightening a belt around his arm in Dublin. I only passed on the bus, but it was terrifying what I saw. Then a guy on the bus was threatening to throw himself off the bus if the driver didn't stop the bus when he couldn't stop because it wasn't a stop. I came back to Cork horrified. Love the show, Anil, says Mary. 
taken on a point I said earlier on. I know Dublin is a much bigger city uh, by virtue of the amount of people living there, but... Um, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to be living in Cork. Uh, hi, Neil. I was in Dublin at a gig recently. I stayed in the city centre. I got the Lewis to the Three Arena. I was alone but felt safer in Dublin than in Cork city centre due to the large volume of people around me. There were plenty of junkies, but I ignored them and they left me alone, says Pat. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 uh, cancel culture earlier on and, uh, you know, the left meeting the right. And if you keep on going, you'll end up back at the left meeting the right again. That there are two extremes to both sides and that, you know, the left is supposed to be those that are caring and to a large extent can be very tolerant and very open with regards to society and borders and what have you and then the right then are deemed to be the other way around but then of course unfortunately I think the the left has often driven the cancel culture where people are literally cancelled or ghosted or absolutely torn to shreds big example of that of course I was mentioning was was JK Rowling but we need to be a tolerant society but when it comes to the aspect of wokeness, uh, there seems to be a kind of a pushback against wokeness now and a bit more common sense is coming into things. However, I did come across um, uh, a fairly, I thought it was funny, but the more I thought about it, then I was saying, mother of God, what kind of a world we're we living in? I was talking with the hairdresser up the country uh, at the weekend who um, was telling me how he had to give a course in the hair salon uh, last week to the hairdressers and it was to do with consent it was to do with consent. Now, consent is a very important thing, particularly when it comes to relationships or indeed sex, right? Consent. But why would you need consent from a hairdresser having to first ask the customer, can I touch your hair? And this apparently is where we're at now, where consent has to be sought for the hairdresser to ask, can I touch your hair? Teaching staff about consent is one thing, but how can you get your hair done if a hairdresser can't touch your hair? And I mentioned that because this definitely happened, you know, up the country. But I know there's a lot of hair salons listening to me right now, but I would just love to know, has that happened here? Would there be a course have to be given now to hairstylists and those working, say, for instance, in hair? Do you have to ask the customer for consent to touch their hair? And if so, how could you justify that? On what basis does that make any sense that somebody comes into a hair salon knowing that they're going to sit down, have their hair washed, that it is, that it is going to be touched, but yet you have to ask for consent? Anyway, your thoughts on that text 0868104106. And no, I don't make these things up. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How okay, are you? I'm good. Um, I, I see that the talks that hopefully could have happened yesterday with the retained firefighters where somebody would meet them in the middle and pay them some kind of a decent re- retainer rather than an, a euro an hour for their 24-hour shift. That came and went and the strikes have begun, yeah? Yeah, and I just wrote the points down because I want to be concise and short so I won't be taking up too much of your I'm time. I'm obliged so to you. I'll, just, I'll read it out. I was reading the Cork B.O. Neil about them and they have to be ready at a minute's notice and drop everything if they get a call when they're needed. And I said, even if they go to a wedding, they can't have a drink and they have to have their pager with them. And even Xmas Day dinner there, when somebody was sitting down, he got a call. Now, that's a lot of sacrifices that they have to make. And I, they're very important work that they do. Did you and hear, said, were you listening yesterday where I had two retained firefighters on air saying all of that? Um, I didn't hear it all, no, Neil, I okay, didn't. Okay. But th- this is just what I wanted to say. But I said, it's at a cost to themselves in every way. So I think 
think they should be supported and get a decent wage and it's disgraceful that they're not being looked after and cherished for the work that they do. It's slave, it's slave labour, i got to tell you. That's what it is. They're being it seriously is. taken advantage of because they have commitment and passion. Okay, go ahead. I agree. And I think more people should get behind him. And you had a caller on there earlier that was really passionate about what's going on in the country and he said the same. Steve. And I actually agree. And everybody should just bung in here and get behind him. Yeah. That's my point. And another point, Neil, the Q Park that the lady was in, that there was um, druggies. I he found was, that he was, he was smoking through a, through a, one of the glass pipes, heroin off the tinfoil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I had the tinfoil and I was, well, I, I was in the car park because I had a clinic in the Mercy and twice I went in there and I was afraid of my life. Now, I was in the lift one time with a lady with a buggy and we came up and there was three on the, just outside the lift. And the second time then, they were just nearby in the car park, so I wouldn't actually get the lift or walk up the stairs. I was afraid on my own when I came back after the clinic. So I actually went in the barrier where the car enters the car park, and I walked up that way because I was just too afraid. But I won't be using the third time. I wouldn't go there now again. And actually now I have to go get blood in the mercy. Why is it a particular... Know, yeah, what, what, do you know where I don't know where I'm going to park. Paul Street? I'm, I don't know. I, I'll have to see because I think I'm going to ring the doctor and find out is there anywhere else I could go rather than there if there was some place. What about on-street parking know? up by Prez? Um, I think you rarely can get parking anywhere around there. You could be looking for ages and going around the block a couple of times and you could be late then for your appointment because they'd be coming from you all, you know. You feel unsafe so then. I, you're actually planning trips into the city wondering what you're going to do and where you're going to go. I don't go into the city name. I don't go into the city. I go to um, Bishopstown Court for my shopping or maybe Wilton now and again, but I don't go there too much either. I think, I think um, with regards to those that are actually physically shooting up, they will do no harm to anybody. I mean, it looks awful and we should feel very sorry for them, but they're, yeah. not, they're not in any condition to do you any harm, the misfortunes. Well, sometimes you'll be afraid in case they're going to rob you or something, you know for money for their addiction so I would be afraid from that point of view better chance and of that on the street you know I suppose I suppose now the third point that Neil that I wanted is about that fellow Vista that attached the lady down um, from oh, I yeah. I actually think when like there was no remorse shown there was remorse because he got caught let's face it he raped a 14 year old there was not much remorse there and then he came here and he, he, he tried the same thing so I'll be honest I think the likes of him should be sent back to his own country when he comes out of prison that's my viewpoint now on him deported you know? upon serving sentence definitely not yeah. deported to serve sentence in his own country either Moldova or Romania no sure he'd probably get out. He'd probably have an easy ride there and he'd probably get out quicker and come back with a new identity probably. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Okay. Good points made. Thank Much obliged. Okay. Text to 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Um, I was talking about exams on the subject of exams. I'm a student in the MTU. We were told that our exam results would be available to view today. We found out via social media that the results are what now won't be available until the 16th of June, three days later. We were given the wrong exam paper for our last exam. We were left sitting in the exam hall while everyone else was doing their exam. We'd wait 30 minutes for the invigilators to find the right exam paper and were then told we could have 30 minutes after the normal exam end time. And now this delays with the results. We were told it's due to the recent cyber attack, but surely they knew the results were affected before today. 
It's appalling, the education system. There is a lot of stressed students out in MTU today. Um, can you please make it clear that the Fromoy sex offender has his rights as an EU citizen? The people of Fromoy have a very good relationship with the International Protection Order refugees. People of Fromoy are involved in many local town projects to help. This sort of lazy, light racism is doing them a disservice. They and their school attending children are not responsible for an attack by an EU citizen, says Paul. No, they are not. And that was never, ever implied. And I think actually, I think you are twisting it to try and make it appear as if it was. This conversation started this morning with the checks and balances of rapists from other countries coming into Ireland unknown or unchecked and then sexually assaulting a shocking, brutal, cowardly sexual assault uh, on a woman walking her dog in a refuge in a in a Fromoy park. Uh, the guy who attacked the lady in Fromoy is to be supervised, did you know, for six years upon his release. Why in the name of God he wouldn't just be deported instead makes no sense to me, says Pat. Extremists on the right and extremists on the left are equally as dangerous as each other. The one and the 14 respectively on the pH scale, metaphorically speaking. They have no interest, both extremes, in logic. It's their way or no way. Those people are identical in their lack of understanding, left and right, lack of respect and lack of all-round common sense. They don't believe in fairness on either side. They refuse to listen to anyone who doesn't believe in what they believe in and they will do their best to shut them up. Both sides are brain dead, really, when you break it down. Thanks for that text to 0868 104, 106. Um, I will come back to this and lots more besides. I'm just hearing about this actually, so I'm as interested as you guys listening. A major rescue operation early this morning uh, involving the Coast Guard, the National Ambulance Service, the Gardaí and Cork Fire Brigade out of Castletown Bear. Let's find out what happened. Leo O'Shea is with Castletown Bear Coast Guard. Leo, good morning. Good morning. Tell us all. I believe it was a major rescue after a person fell from a cliff. Is that right? What can you tell us? Um, we were we were called at uh, about three fifteen this morning to a person who had fallen on a, on a was roughly a tough thirty meter cliff near Ennis on the Bear Peninsula. Um, you know, so the fire brigade was there, national ambulance service as well, and local guardy. Um Rescue one 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 five from Shannon also arrived on scene. Three a.m. in the morning, somebody fell from the cliffs in Allahies into the sea. No, at the landed on the shore. Luckily, the tide was out at the time. Okay, okay. Um, e- easy enough to reach. How did, how did that happen? The rescue. Um, when we when we arrived there first, we proceeded with two of our climbers down to him to assess him and uh, see if he okay. So then, when the rescue helicopter came, their uh, advanced paramedic was lowered on to the to the beach as well. And from that then we, we, we set up a, a hauling rig to recover the casualty as uh, which where it was on the inlets on the cliffs there, it was difficult for the helicopter to winch him. I can imagine. I can imagine. And and you wouldn't have been able to use uh, uh Coast Guard or um life crew out of West Cork or Valencia or anything like that? Oh the lifeboats we we would have they would have still had to come ashore to recover. Okay, okay. But yeah. So you managed to but, winch him to safety? Well, Holding my hand, we have a climbing system and a hauling system in the unit, and that's all we use, manpower and uh, all these. Did, did 115 then bring him to hospital by air ambulance or by helicopter or anything like that? 
When, when we got him up, when he, we transferred him into an ambulance and he was taken up the road a bit to where it did, 115 had landed. And from there he was assessed again and then made more comfortable and transported to Cork. And his condition, do we know? Uh, he's stable at the moment, uh, but he, he has a lot of injuries. Oh my God, I hope he makes a recovery, I hope he survives it. That's some fall over 100 feet. Yep. It's uh, not amazing. Goes yeah. to show how our services all kick into action, isn't it true? All at the one time. Yes, and it was great to see such a coming together of all the different services this morning. And, you know, everyone lies in with each other when there's something to be done. Absolutely. Coast Guard, National Ambulance Service, Gardaí, Cork Fire Brigade, uh, Rescue 115 and lots more besides. A job well done. Our thoughts are with the man that he makes a recovery. Wouldn't you agree with that, Leo? Yes. Yeah, yeah oh, definitely, yeah. Definitely, okay. yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Well done. Thank you for updating us on that one. Multiple agencies involved in the rescue after someone fell from the cliffs near Alice e. Alahis at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's very, very sad. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. It's talking about somebody who did a Lego with a car from Kiri's a 2017 BMW who was taken up for a test drive and drove it all the way to Poland. Uh, hi, we bought a second-hand car in Audi Wexford recently and we went, when we went out for the test drive, the salesman sat in the car with us. See what I mean? They go with you now. Absolutely do. And then it was telling about Fodja Ireland giving huge money to influencers to go out and film different parts of Ireland. I mean, they have massive following. There's nothing you can do about that. They've got huge following. So Fodja Ireland use them. They pay upwards of 15 grand per post. How did influencers come about, says Pat? I mean, who listens or takes direction from someone they don't know or have never met? You would want to be insane. (laughs) Maybe people are. I don't know about that, but I certainly know that they're making big money. Some of them, the more followers you have, the more money you make. Then, um, hi Neil, I'm sick to the back teeth of parents ringing in regarding the leaving certificate. I'm a teacher in Cork, a corrector and an oral examiner. The leaving cert has been so dumbed down and the accommodations for COVID have been more than fair. The excuses must stop and parents need to be informed before they complain. For example, the mother who rang you complaining about the maths paper but didn't know what happens if a student fails maths. This can be checked online, for God's sake. I can also guarantee you that exams are marked very, very fairly and sometimes so fair that even the correctors don't agree how fairly they're marked, but they must accept it. Strong words from a Leaving Certificate teacher. We actually share that text on, uh, online. Incidentally, why would, why would examiners or correctors... Um, disagree with exams being marked very fairly how did they want them marked incidentally Um, and some responses to that well speaking as someone who failed ordinary level maths I got an E and then I went on to fail repeat level maths I got an F you got worse than the repeat I've been a manager for the last 25 years with an international company in charge of money losses gains and not least of all people communication and teamwork these exams do not define you. Be bigger and be kind. Somebody else says, a friendly reminder that the Leaving Cert is not life or death. There's a thing called further education. Plenty of successful people didn't do the Leaving Cert. It's not life defining. Um, you lost me when you said, I'm a teacher, a corrector and an oral examiner. How bad for you? If, it, if that was genuine, the entire country disagree with you with regards to honours one paper maths on Friday. Um, 
as in you're living in cuckoo land if you thought that was a fair exam uh, one or two more the problem is that uh, they have this rat race drilled into people now it's life or death to do good and leaving cert go travel the world guys life is only beginning when you finish school it's a load of crap thinking of your future and uh, the fact that you even think that it could be decided in a couple of weeks of an exam yeah, I'm a firm believer actually of doing something like that you know taking some time out after leaving certificate or even better still um, you know taking some time out after college to travel but better to do it before college because then you might have an idea as to what you actually really want to do in college in the first place so I will come back to those I'm playing through texts and calls this morning but it's always very important to stay on top of stories and to revisit this I've said revisit stories I've said that a million times and we know of the ongoing um, you know issues down in Kinsale um, and we've been talking about uh, Brendan Piper's situation with regards to the uh, the uh, the Marys and the Piper's Funfair since the springtime. It never got resolved. And originally the council wanted a 60 grand bond, which is completely unattainable for the family Piper's Funfair. I think they then offered a 30,000 euro um, solution to it. But again, they couldn't come up with that money. So from where I'm sitting, it looks as if this summer season has gone for Pipers in Kinsale. So we had a city council that cancelled Christmas and we had a county council that cancelled the Marys. Um, how much worse can it actually get? Brendan Piper joins me again. Piper, Brendan, good morning. Good morning, Nate. Thanks so much again for having me on your show. Appreciate Not at all. It. I don't know how good this phone line is, but we'll see how we go. Am I right in my assumption that you're actually now looking towards salvaging it for 2024? Yeah, Neil, the 2023 season is... It's, it's a no-go at this stage because it's about the preparation, what can we build up and get it all, the, everything done in engineers and health and safety reports and all that is in one another for this year. So, But that wouldn't even happen anyway because you never managed to get them to see sense. No, 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 no. That was a big one. No, they didn't. Because we did. I've done everything and we've with myself and the team with everything they, to facilitate the council. We are. We, our latest one was um, Neil to um, to Mark Rain. There was local donations from Kinsale people of fifteen thousand cash, which we offered to the Cork County Council to put it into any account that the Cork County Council have. We also offered them the the town engineer could meet with our people when the car park was clear when we come in first. It's what we set up. We take photographs of all the um, the ground. We do a written report, and when we finish, will the engineer come back again with our people as well and look at the photographs. And if there any surface damage and anything has to be fixed with the surface, with a professional company who is willing to come in and rectify any damage of any that was to be done. No, okay. and that means. There's zero risk here to the council. Okay, me. let me just zero let me just risk. pick up on both of those points. You're telling me mm-hmm. that the good people of Kinsale, maybe further yep. afield, might have got contributions from Bandon as well, or down in Skib or other areas like that. But fifteen thousand euro cash was raised by the people who wanted to support you. You offered it to the county council, and they said what? They said no. It's it's sixteen. No, they won't. They they refuse it. Following due consideration, I confirmed. They're saying. The blow is not acceptable to the council. The position remains the same. A bond of a minimum of 30,000 is required. Because 
even at 30,000, they're saying, Neil, the council are saying they are taking a substantial and mitigated risk, which is, in this case, is not true. But do they, do they Neil, wish to take any risk at all about people's entertainment and the family value of having a fun fair in Kinsale and the enjoyment that it would give to people and their obligation as a county council to taxpayers who want to be able to be entertained by going to the Marys? Like, it's not well, always yeah, about money, you know? And I've stressed this so, so much since this campaign started. This is not about money. In our point of view, it's not about money. It's about giving childhood members, about giving family members, giving memories. This is all about giving memories. And that's the way we've been doing since 1932 in Kingsale and 1939 in the So Paris, 90 in years and you're no longer welcome because they put down no. fresh tarmac, is it? Fresh tarmac, yep. And you said and that you had a company retained and you had the paperwork to show them that you would yep. put it right and you were willing to lodge that um, that agreement with them. And who would, like, say there, let's say there was damage done, whatever you, damage you can do to tarmac, mm. um, who would pay for the repair? Well, well, Pipers, this 15000 is a down payment. And, any, and that 15000 would not be touched. Neil, I made a promise to that because what happens, if there's any damage, we, the pipers, will bring in a, this professional company and yep. pay this professional company. And that 15000 that was donated, every penny will go back to which individual or company donated. Okay, well, it sounds to me, if there was a will, there would have been a way. They never wanted you there in the first place. For what, way, but what me. reason do you think... It's not about the surface of the tarmac car park. What is it? What's the reason? It's about, as I was told first day, I was told, I asked this question and eventually got an answer when the official said there's members of the, there's certain business people in King Seal Town want that car park for their own businesses. And that's what I was told. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There are other car parks though. Bigger ones. There is, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, we just, I'm just, like you said, this land was given by a Kinsale family to the council on the un- correct me if I'm wrong now, on the understanding yep. that it would be used for community events. You're 100 percent there. That's what we've become come back in the last protest that we had in Kinsale. Locals come up to me and they said there was a local family had that and it was had that car. It was a field a and field. it was donated to the people of Kinsale for the people of Kinsale to be used by the people of Kinsale. And that's what we have been told. You never ever thought to fight them legally, did you, Brendan? Uh, I've thought, fought and fought, but we haven't got the resources to fight the, All right. okay. an organisation like a Cork County Council. Okay. Me, you know. And how do you, how do you feel? Like how, 24, yeah. 24, and then um, people are probably, why is he, why is he, um, this is 2023. Why is he looking at 2024? Because this is what we do, uh, Neil. This is what's passionate We just want to get back in there and just let us continue on what we've been done for nearly 90 years. Why don't you turn your back in Kinsale and go to Bandon or Clon? There's a, like... Go to somewhere you're welcome. I've seen, look, I got emails from other people up country with bring the, the show up country you know, to them, that they'd love to have something like that, to bring the showman. Even they offered to bring the showman in the art town, and these people don't know me from Adams. 
in the bring the showman's wagon with the bring and the artone, and we'll take the showman's wagon. Yeah, sure. But it's just after 90 years and the tradition there and what we've, you know, and it's, it's, you see, this is a part of Kingsale. This is their heritage, the culture. It's not only Pipers, it's Kingsale heritage and their culture. And this, the funfair, was born in Kingsale. It was. Oh, I understand like, that there is know? legacy there, there's heritage there. When I say take it elsewhere where you're welcome, I don't mean I that as disrespectful to the people no, of Kinsale. I'm sure that they may even travel to see you. You certainly don't seem to be welcomed by the gentrification, the snobbery, the certain businesses down there, the people who have notions about themselves down there, the people who say um, it attracts yeah. the wrong kind of people when Kinsale really, uh, long before it became gentrified as it is, was just a fabulous town where everybody looked after each other and had a fishing and maritime background. It was very local, you know, it was very ordinary, wasn't it? Well, it was. I tell you a story now, and we're, we're going to do it, Neil, if you got uh, time. It's just quick. I got a phone call the other evening from a woman from Cork City. She said, Brendan, um, she just, I mean, my name is Mary. I got your number off your Facebook page and King Seal's She said, would you listen to me, please, Brendan? My grandchildren, my, my children, I've been bringing my children down to Kinsale every Sunday, every, and every Sunday, in every summer for years and years. I've done this now also with my grandchildren up until the COVID. You're up for COVID two years. We were really, really looking forward to after the COVID lifted to bring, okay. start bringing them down again. All this started. She said, the way you've been treated, Brendan, is a holy disgrace. And she said, would you please, please consider, Brendan, would you bring a protest to Cork City? Are you doing that? And I'm going to do that, yes. Because I see here that you're holding a public protest in Short Key can sail July 16th at 2 o'clock. Yeah, with July, and then on the 23rd, this is and July. And the 23rd, yeah, which, is the ju- which is the following Sunday, to Cork yeah, City. That's we're planning for Cork City. Okay. And if that doesn't, there's a one after that day, and we don't know the dates haven't been confirmed yet. And this is to secure 2024, is it? This is for 2024. Okay. So they leave Piper's back in this okay. Well, we'll talk, we'll talk again closer to that in early July, okay? Both of those uh, rallies and protests for 2024 yeah. season. Can I finally ask you, because I am out of time, unfortunately, yeah, Brendan, but can I just ask you, how does your dad feel about the news? He does. My dad doesn't. I don't tell my dad half the things that's going on here. He doesn't need to. He turned eighty-four. He doesn't need to know half the things. I said, "There's just a lot of, bit of paperwork to be tidied up here, Dad." I said, "You know, but well, we will be going in at some stage. It mightn't be this year, but he said we haven't been in two years." I said, "That was the COVID and one thing." I said, "But well, we will. We'll be starting then." The showman's wagon, the fund we've been building up again. It's very like sad to have to hide it from your dad, isn't it? But I understand the love of the man. That's why you're doing it. But it's tragic, isn't it? Exactly. It is. It is. I know for a man who's doing it all his life, you know. And like I said, the third generation, I've been fourth generation. And, you know, it, it, he's old. And then again, he's old stock. You don't, with the old stock, he does. You don't know what they're thinking. They I don't know, show the I feelings. I think, that's very, I think that's very sad. I hope you don't mind me asking you about, my, about your dad, but... It touched, it touched my heart when we spoke about your dad in the past. Stay in touch, Brendan, and we'll chat again before those rallies in early... In, we'll chat again in early July, OK? 
Neil, again, thank you so, so much. Not your at all, man. You've got really an open door it. here. You've got an open door here. Look after yourself, Brendan Piper. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106. I was asking about your summon loving. Hope to do more of these across the week. I gave you the top 10 favourite moments of the things that you most loved about summer. Here's a fast one for you, Marion. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Somebody said, uh, actually, being able to get lots of washing done. What's your one? Or- earning in the back garden. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I can send if you love if you love if you love it that much. I can send you some. <laughs> send me up all your shirts and I start the whole lot of them. <laughs> have you have you got an extension cable running out into the garden with the iron plugged in? Ah, uh, Neil, Neil, the extension cable comes out, the boombox comes out. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Maybe um, maybe a bottle of cold Chablis or a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, there was, there was one time. I don't know what happened, but uh, um, I think I got drunk when I was earning. But I can't remember. <laughs> Crazy woman! Crazy woman! I love it. I love and it. Neil, yeah. Neil, just to say, my furniture out in the back garden. I was, I'm earning on the Hanley's table. Oh, good stuff. Old Jim Hanley's right. table will do you well. It'll serve you for many years yeah. to come. Fair play to you. It's and not, I'll have it a good few years. It's not plastic, though, I hope to God, no? No, it's a glass top. Oh. Yeah, there's a glass top, but don't worry, that's covered as well. All right, girl. With a white uh, sheet. Look after yourself. <laughs> Get back to the ironing. Today's a lovely afternoon for ironing outdoors. Lots of sunshine expected. Right, lines are open now. We have family passes to give away again this morning. Yesterday was Spike. This morning at Skibbereen Heritage Centre. Your opportunity to go down to the famine story in Skibbereen and have a wonderful time. You can also go for a lovely bit of food in the church and then head out as well to the Skibbereen Famine grave area which is very very sad and a powerful experience the famine story in the Heritage Centre in Skibbereen. We have family passes we'll take callers 9, 10, 11 and 12 for them to give away. Uh, you can go whenever you want. Uh, it's an open-ended uh, voucher for you and the family two adults, two children, one adult, three children whatever works for you. Pick up the phone now on 0818 One apology to everybody that got in touch regarding the leaving certificate and certainly the maths papers um, I really have an obligation to read out some of those texts and I will do so with lots more tomorrow. So have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.